You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. From across the stars, Commanders Michael Cohen, Matthew Krenke, and the Ragtag Crew are here to bring you stories of adventure and excitement from a galaxy far, far away. Get ready for tales of merciless bounty hunters, courageous heroes, and sinister villains from the core worlds to the outer rim and beyond. Buckle up, baby. It's about to get faster, more intense. Hello there, and welcome back to Faster, More Intense, a Star Wars podcast. I am one of your hosts, Michael Cohen, and uh, with me, I've got returning guest host, Samantha Keicho. How's it, how's it going? Hi, let's do this one more time. This is my very <laughs> Spider-Verse. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, do so we, we recorded a few days ago, and <laughs> I, I, uh, what, it, this has not happened to me for quite some time, but we lost the recording. Uh, <laughs> it was actually a very good conversation. We, we had, a, I think, a great episode. Yes. It's a shame that no one will ever hear it. <laughs> the recording is just completely lost into it's the in internet ether. <laughs> but uh, uh, we're we're gonna we're gonna we're not gonna try and recapture that. We're, we're just gonna try and have another good conversation. Um, but uh, uh, before we get into our 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 main topic, which is our top prequel moments, we're gonna first just uh, uh, run down a little bit of the news from the last week or so. Um, there really hasn't been a lot. Uh, it's been it's been kind of each week has <laughs> been a little bit difficult to like kind of pull out like what are what are the the big news stories, but we do have we do have two news stories that we want to cover. So first for, and foremost, this is quick. The Star Wars movies have been pushed by a year. So mm-hmm. uh, the the previous release schedule was going to be 2022 and then 24 and then 26, right? Uh, for for the next three Star Wars movies, we have no idea what those movies are. But uh, so it's kind of it's kind of hard to care at this point that they've been pushed a year. But I uh, but but they have been pushed to 2023, 25, 27. So um, I I personally see this as a good thing. Uh, more time mm-hmm. for whoever's working on on these movies uh, to to get them ready is going to be a better thing. Ultimately, I, th- I think I uh, one of the big issues with. I would say actually all all five of the movies that have been released since Disney took over um, is that the production timelines have been too quick. Um, yeah, they've been truncated. Yeah, so I I giving more time, having a little bit more breathing room. I the only person we know right now that is actively working on their movie is is Taika Waititi. Um, who uh, who has has begun the writing process, but uh, what that means is like outlines or you know what we don't really know. But but uh, uh, he and his and his writing partner, I oh man, I can't remember I can't remember her name right now. But um, 
but they're 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 working on on their star wars story so uh, i i don't know i think that we'll probably expect to hear something within the next few months but not anytime sooner than that um but the whole thing is is you know everybody like we can take extra time and write not just for the movies but also the the disney plus series as well i think the kenobi series the cassie and andor series the productions are probably not going to go back into full swing um in the next month or two is we're probably looking at september october when things can actually start getting up and running again for a lot of stuff so um that extra little bit of bit of runway to make sure that your story is tight is a great thing um so yeah, I don't know. Like that's that's kind of where I see it. That's I I think that that's a positive thing. I think that that'll be fine. And I honestly like the way that the last few movies have gone, <laughs> the last three. I'm fine. I'm fine with a break. Mm-hmm. Like let's just focus on the Mandalorian. Let's focus on Bad Batch. Let's hopefully uh, we get an announcement soon about the Rebels sequel series with Ahsoka and Sabine. Um, and, and if, if we can kind of get like those things should keep us happy. And then we've got high Republic as well coming. So, um, there's, there, there's actually a lot of really great star Wars stuff, um, in the, in the near future. I, as much as some people on the internet want to make you think that, um, that, that Lucasfilm is punishing us for not liking rise of Skywalker. I, I, there is actually a lot of really cool star Wars stuff coming. So, um, it, yeah. Oh, the, I looked up her name. Typhus oh, yeah. partner. It's Christy Wilson. My guess is Cairns. Christy yes, Wilson, Wilson Cairns. Thank you. Um, yes, and I agree. And I think having an additional year to kind of tape us, take a step back, yeah. absence makes the heart grow fonder. You know, yes. if you keep shoveling your mouth with food, I mean, you don't have time to swallow and really digest and yeah. savor it. And it's, it, there's always... Yes, there can be too much of a good thing. Yeah. And I think it'll just allow not just Lucasfilm, but viewers as well, my very Anton Ego voice, to like gain perspective of, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> of what's going on. And let's just let everybody get their shit together emotionally and physically. <laughs> and then yeah. that'll make the, you know, the movies greater. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I, I think I think it's a positive thing, right? Um, so so yeah, that, I mean, like as we get news about movies and that sort of thing, we'll we'll obviously talk about it. Hopefully, hopefully, one of these three movies is the first in Ryan Johnson's trilogy, but uh, mm-hmm. we really don't know where that's at. I he's he's still not on Twitter, right? His his he's still lost his account. Oh yeah, did he? I during that whole Twitter bust up thing. Yeah, yeah, I don't know if he ended up. I remember him retweeting what like the Knives Out stuff, like that one. I'm not sure. Yeah, he 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 tweeted from <laughs> the Knives hilarious. Out account of like, hey everybody, I'm still alive <laughs> until I get my account back. He should uh, have it back. I just know all the previous tweets for those people yeah. were deleted, which yeah. is unfortunate. But um, I, I haven't. I, I'm I'm gonna look right now because yeah. I, I I keep seeing people being like, "Oh, I miss Ryan Johnson's old tweets," and I'm like, "I do too, actually." Um, oh yeah, he's like, I don't yeah, even I see don't his see account him. anymore. I don't even see him. Maybe Oof. that's why it went down. One person that I followed because I was like, "Who went away?" And maybe yeah. that's who went away. <laughs> because i was Um, like i don't know who it was oh that makes me sad just to to avoid any of the conspiracy theorists out there he he didn't delete his account i uh when all of the when everybody's 
all the the verified all the blue checks got got hacked uh what was that like a week ago oh it was a little um, bit i it was it's probably like two was that or like maybe two weeks even ago three now? yeah um i ryan's account obviously got compromised as well and uh and and appears to have been deleted uh, i although he was tweeting from the knives out account saying hey still around and you know it's really funny because right before that happened like a day before that happened i had tweeted about um about ray's lightsaber in in uh uh the last jedi um Mm -hmm. there's uh there there are multiple versions of the lightsaber that you see in the movie um of of the the skywalker saber and there's a there's one that that it's kind of it's got a much more simplified um, handle to it. it like like I, I I like the grip specifically mm-hmm. the grip section because um, you know like the the Anakin Skywalker saber it's got like the grooved grips on the handle right right, right. and the stunt saber as it turns out is is much more smooth um, and it's and it it doesn't have the the bumps to the grooves they're just kind of almost like painted onto it which and makes actually, it harder to hold <laughs> like yeah. well I, having they, different I think, copies of anakin's it's my favorite yeah. aesthetically but i'm like i don't imagine actually the, the, using this as a weapon grips. yeah 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah. so the, and that and that was sort of my question was like hey what's the story here was this meant mm. to be a new version that you guys changed your mind on is this just the stunt saber like is it like like what was the idea here and i i think i tweeted at like phil show stack and and maybe uh maybe matt martin i don't don't remember but it ended up like the the thread i think maybe it was at phil showstack and ryan johnson i was like hey what's up with this and then it kind of turned into a bit of a thread and and um i think it was i think it might have been phil showstack who came in and was like i i'm pretty sure it's a stunt saber can can you confirm and then he added in matt martin and um and i think maybe leland chi maybe somebody else um and uh, and and later on down the down the thing, uh, whoever it was that ended up confirming it, it's like yeah, that was a, that's a that's a, a stunt saber. Um, Ryan ended up coming in and liking that tweet, so he didn't directly like my tweet, but he did <laughs> like a tweet that was part of a threaded conversation that I started, and I was like, I got I got really excited about it because it was like, oh yeah, Ryan read my tweet, right? Like he he like and 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 liked the answer of like yeah it's a stunt saber which was very clear of like he saw the tweet and was going to like would have responded but like read through the the thread and was like oh they got it that's twitter is so funny to me because i understand that as well the first time he liked one of mine it wasn't about star wars it was about um jesus christ superstar and i was just so stoked not just because that he liked it but i was like yes jesus christ superstar because i don't think enough people go go watch jesus christ superstar carl anderson is magnificent as judas (laughs) and that's the Um, only one he's liked and i love that because it's so random it's i i think the thing because i know that like for some people it's like the it's like the oh Oh, like this is like an affirmation of like, oh, I'm, I'm right. like Brian Johnson, like my tweets. So blah, blah, right. blah. Right? For me, it's not even that it's more <laughs> so the, like, it's more so the, the, oh, they're real people. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh yeah. I remember that when Twitter started, it, it yeah. it's very yeah. interesting. Cause you're it's just that direct connection, that right? connection, even though it's, you know, over the either, as you know, we say, it's yeah. just, it's, it's 
just a really strange sensation still even what 11 years on for me because I joined in like 2009 mm-hmm. um so yeah it's it's fascinating when it comes to that <laughs> a blessing and a curse I know for yeah yeah it's a it's, it's a really cool it's, yeah it's really cool how we can be connected in the way that we I mean like hey you're only on the podcast because we connected through exactly Twitter. so uh and and honestly like I don't think I would have survived uh, as well as I have through this pandemic, if not oh, for definitely. Twitter, like like my my time on Twitter has has gone through the roof. Because, yes, mine's increased as well because it's like th- like that's my direct connection to the to to the people that I want to talk to, right? Mm-hmm. So it's um yeah like like you say like it is the blessing and the curse because at the same time I think there's also certainly when when protests were happening um and and obviously any time that. Uh, the big old dumb dumb in the White House does something stupid. Um, it's it it's like oh, wildfire. Right. It well, catches, and you can't help but get burnt when that happens. Right. Um, especially if you're an empathetic person, and 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 I tend to be. So it's like, like that stuff can hit hard sometimes. So that can be that can be the curse. And then the other part of it is is obviously with Star Wars, everything that's happened in the last few years. I don't think would have happened the way that it has. Certainly with the Last Jedi. Um, if not for social media and specifically Twitter, because oh yeah, uh, it's just magnified to the nth degree. Because yeah. and... if you think back then, I'm pretty sure that when the Last Jedi came out, we were still at 140 characters that we that we hadn't gotten the two like the the the, the bump um, up to to two. Yeah, I don't remember. Um, I can't remember exactly when that was, but I mean, like like it was it was within the last couple of years. And, uh, and, and so like those, especially when it was a hundred limited to 140 characters, so hard to get anything across. And, and in the, in the, the intervening years, we've gotten like the, the character bump, um, and creating threaded tweets is so much easier now right, where yeah. you can go in and you go like, okay, I'm going to create a whole it can be essay, very beneficial. Basically. I know it was yeah. for me for certain things for me personally this year to do things, but absolutely, like as a performer, I mean that's something where we when you engage with social media, unfortunately, like nobody, I don't understand people who go out to performers or creators specifically and just spew hate at them because they didn't like something like. I still have issues with the ending of Xena, but it's like I'm not going out, <laughs> to, you know, to people and saying that. Like, it's just, yeah. it's it's scary the amount of power that's put behind when you're just, you know, a person behind a screen and whatnot. And that's for still sure. something we're going to wrestle with for a long time as we're going through <laughs> all of these changes societally. And especially this is what something that Star Wars speaks about. It's something that... It's like my therapist and I talk about The Last Jedi all the time in therapy because it's such a great, um, like, microcosm of our actual world situation and whatnot. Um, So it's hard because then at the same time, you have so many amazing things, you know? I met the person I fell in love with because of Twitter. And it's so... it, it, It puts a lot on the person to be very cognizant about what they're doing. 
Yeah, for sure. It's uh, it's it's a tricky like, thing, but do good things like this. Talk about your favorite prequel moments. Yes, <laughs> you yes, know, yeah. it's I, I do think yeah. There's a there's a there's a choice that needs to be made every once in a while of like, hey, let's let's focus on the positive. Let's let's right. Let's most do people, something. sadly, most people aren't there. <laughs> I you know a lot of I, people have their George Costanza in them. Yeah, and my, I get it. I totally mindfulness get mindfulness is a mindfulness. I think is something that they that needs to be talked about more, and mm-hmm. that that people like, and it's funny because that so app many is great by the way the mindfulness app that's oh, a really yeah. good app i don't know if i'm allowed to say that but it's a great app no so. go for it. I, <laughs> just I, you saying that triggered it yeah i it's it's so funny because it goes it for me and like it's just like you're saying like you talk about the last jedi with with your therapist it's like uh everything always goes back to star wars right like especially especially for people like us everything goes back to star wars it's so resonant because i think it touches on so many of these things and mindfulness is is key in the star wars Mm -hmm. mythology um like one of my favorite quotes of all time um, it's fine. We're, go- <laughs> we're gonna get into prequel stuff, but before we do that, before we jump into the second news story, just really quick, my one of my favorite Star Wars quotes is is when Qui Gon says to Anakin, "Your focus determines mm-hmm. your reality," mm-hmm. because that is like that's the that's the the core of mindfulness, right? Is that like if you focus on negativity you will create negativity around you right like it's you it's a, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy and mm-hmm. that like you can it's like some people take it a step too far in my opinion with things like the secret and stuff like that where it's like okay oh. just just writing thing something down and then like like you know putting it on a piece of paper and putting that paper on a shelf it's like that's not going to do anything for you like you have to you have to take action you have to be proactive but um, but there is a reality to uh, to the the science, the the neurochemistry of smiling releases. I think it releases dopamine, um, and 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 like that that is it dopamine. It might be um, what's the other? serotonin. <laughs> it might be serotonin. But I don't know. <laughs> it's it's one of those brain chemicals that makes you right. that that leads to like happiness and fulfillment, right? So. If you are in a bad mood, literally just smiling, and especially like if you go and you look in a mirror, reflective surface, and you smile to yourself, you, you can actually turn your mood around. Chemically, I will say with, it needs to be genuine though, because if it's not genuine, you're yeah, going you can, to you, sure. hide, and that's I think you have to you have to wa- you have to want to come out of it, right? Really, yeah, yeah. And that's but, the same thing with mind, not mindfulness. You also have to be present, is yeah. what you were just saying. If you're living, this goes with Star Wars, too much in the past or too much in the future, your reality is going to be distorted of what that focus actually is and should be. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I think I think that that Twitter can be an extension of that for some people. Some people want to want to live in that negativity, live in 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 the bad stuff, and so, for some things it's cathartic, right? I mean, like we talk about the rise of Skywalker a lot, and and the issues with that and stuff, and getting on Twitter and talking to friends that feel the same way that you do can be a very cathartic, very healthy way of expressing that. Um, it can also it can also get into negative territory very quickly um so it's it's a difficult thing it's something that always has to be balanced but that's where i say like it is like that your focus determines your reality it's like what are you trying to accomplish right and it's something that i've noticed in the last week or so 
that I just want to share with everybody who's listening. Uh, when it comes to things like Twitter or even podcasts, YouTube videos, whatever, any anybody who's like sharing this sort of the, their feelings about something like Star Wars, it can be very personal for people. Um, and and I think that it's it's really important to always remember it's okay to criticize the movie it's okay to criticize the comic book the book the video game whatever like the 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 non-human entity <laughs> right but um and even like when it comes to like filmmakers and stuff like that to be critical of like well hey what were their intentions what like like how did this come about what was the process that's that's all fine that discourse is okay but when we get into attacking like the person criticizing the person so like for example if i say yeah the rise of Skywalker drives me up the wall. There are so many inconsistencies with the plot, etc., etc. I have all these problems with it. For somebody to come in and go and go, I disagree with you. I actually really like the rise of Skywalker, and here are my reasons. That's fine, right? We're in safe territory. I've said my piece, which is my opinion that I'm entitled to, that isn't hurting anybody else. And then that other person has come in and said their piece, and they're they're entitled to their opinion and they're not hurting anybody else. But the problem is when people come in and go, you're stupid for thinking that. And let me tell you all the reasons why you're an idiot. Right. And that's, that tends to be the discourse. And, and I think that that's, that's the important thing to remember. It's like, we can criticize the art, but don't, don't criticize the person right in your discourse. And if, if people can do that and just separate those two things and not take it not take it so personally and not make it personal, then I think that, uh, that we can all just be fine with it. Right. It's like, I, uh, I know that, that Paul Herman from the saga continues and many other podcasts is not a fan of, uh, of the last Jedi. And, uh, likewise, uh, uh, sorry, in, in the sort of inverse of me, it's like, I love the last Jedi and I have issues with rise of Skywalker. He's, 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 he's a big fan of rise of Skywalker because it does a lot of stuff right for him. So, uh, we can talk about that. Me and him, we talk about it all the time on Twitter and it's, it never gets to like that, like that vitriol place. Right. Because we both respect like, Hey man, you, you like star Wars, how you like star Wars. I like it, how I like it. He's a big fan of using the agree to disagree, uh, gift from, uh, uh, Anchorman, the the Ron Burgundy, he'll 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 end a lot of conversations with that, and he's like, okay, cool. So we're not gonna, but it's we're not also not trying to convince one another, right? We're just two Star Wars fans who both love Star Wars, but we like it in different ways, and that's totally fine. So, I think uh, the big thing, just to tack on something here, is that what's unfortunate is that these stories because of the types of stories that they are they are so archetypal and mythical and whatnot they go into things so deeply rooted in our psyches as humans and as individuals that of course they're personal and so that when someone doesn't agree with you of course you it's like you're defending an aspect of yourself essentially and that's really hard because you have to start to get to that point where you take the part of it that means something to you and resonates with you while also realizing that this is something that doesn't just belong to you. It belongs to millions, billions of people from every different walk of life. And, you know, so when you have those discussion in terms of those critical type things, being yeah. um, aware of that and also being aware that, 
when you have certain instances on them that it's it's not necessarily a negative thing. Um, I know I had posted something about hearing about the Lando news. I was just like, I I'd posted a the. Abigail Adams like remember the ladies because that's what I felt like I was like we're we're gonna have an even though it wasn't confirmed we're gonna have another series with another male lead every series of Star Wars so far in the television world has now had a male lead why in terms of live action and that's that's not saying that I hate Star Wars it's saying that that that's not representative of the people who love it and that just because you have a lead that's not a white cis male that there aren't going to be people who don't come to it and I think that's still very important and again that's very much what is on the the table right now in terms of what we are discussing societally and that this world is changing and that it is not homogenous especially in our filmmaking the way that we like to pretend that it is and that's not an easy conversation it's difficult and people I think a lot of people are very uncomfortable with that and I understand it you've got to be able to live with that discomfort or that this is something we talk about in therapy it's something that works actually great with like Star Wars 2 talking about Anakin or Luke or Kylo you have to live with that dis-ease and you know a lot of the time your brain starts thinking oh disease and it's like no it's just dis-ease and you start to live with that and that is okay and that's where again the mindfulness comes into it in terms of being present and so that's that's hard with a lot of these stories that I know Avatar is kind of a similar thing right now since so many people are discovering Avatar a lot of people are getting in on that right now too and so whatever you want to take in Superman or you know whatnot it's that's why the conversation is ever evolving and growing and You've just, you've, you've got to be aware to adapt to what's going on. And it's, you know, that sense of self, you can still retain it as you do so. And we see in Star Wars, some people are great at doing that and some people not so much. And I know we'll be kind of discussing some of that today, even when we talk about our moments. Yeah, for sure. Cool. Well, that was a little bit of a tangent. I... Let's jump into our and second. I piece think of it news. was a necessary one, though. No, it's a good one. It's a good one. Well, it's you know, it, it's a thing that can, we just can't avoid. Like, like no, you, like you, you said, it's you a difficult conversation. <laughs> you can't get away from it, but but uh, but it's the reality of where we're at. And I just right. I had that revelation, not really revelation, but just sort of I was able to crystallize that into a into a phrase uh, uh, this last week. Um, just as I see, because I think what it really came out of was a lot of people. There's been a there's been a specific theme in the last week uh, on social media of like of people who are who are positive star wars fans quote unquote as as they've i think they've kind of coined the term around themselves where they're just like i like all star wars mm-hmm. and it's like okay that's fine i'm like i don't have any problem with somebody having that issue well or not having that issue but having that stance of like hey i like all star wars it's like okay i i i'm a little bit more more critical of the media that i consume than to just say like hey I, I use the term like Star Wars is like pizza. There's no such thing as bad pizza, right? Um, there is some pizza that is awful, <laughs> but it's still better than no pizza at all, right? So it's 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 the, to me it's the same thing. It's like there's some Star Wars that's just not good. I've been going through the comics, the the Marvel comics from 2015. There's some stuff in there that's just not good. There's also some stuff in there that's pretty fun, but um, it, it it's okay. It's okay. I think it's okay 
to to dislike something to dislike a piece of of a franchise that you like overall as long as you kind of remember what you're in it for just as long as you're not one of the people it's like the as long as you're not like the the cinema sins like screen junkie sort of thing of like we're just gonna point out all of the things wrong with this and it's like that's mm-hmm. not that's not what i think a, a lot of people who have issues with the last jedi or or have issues with the rise of skywalker are doing right but but that t- but it's the people who do think like that who do talk like that that tend to take up the most oxygen in the room and i think we just gotta kind of talk around those people um but the people who are kind of like oh oh, like people are so negative about rise of skywalker people are so negative about the last jedi why can't you just like all star wars and it's like well because exactly what you you just said about the lando announcement it's like that's it's a really cool announcement or not announcement sorry rumor uh it's a it's a really cool idea of like like oh like would we want a Donald Glover Lando series. Of course. Who doesn't want that? That would be great. That would be fantastic. What, what like it, there, there's so much potential there. Um but at the same time, like exactly to your point, it's like, well, we've got The Mandalorian, <laughs> we've got mm-hmm. Cassian Andor, we've got oh, Kenobi, Mulan. we've got uh, uh Bad Batch. <laughs> right clone wars came back and thankfully a lot of it focused on ahsoka but there was also a lot of it that focused on anakin and obi-wan um and and the bad batch obviously and rex like like there is the prevailing idea that star wars is for boys um which is dumb star wars was never for boys star wars has always been for everyone star wars was intended for children and like you if you listen to george lucas talk about it he'll never say Star Wars is for little boys. It's for 13-year-old boys. He'll say Star Wars is for kids. It's a, it's a kids movie. It's for kids. Right? Like he like he's he's almost always talked about it in those in those gender neutral terms. Um now the the stories are inherently from the male lens, but it, it was 1977 through the 80s and then the 90s like it, 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 there's context there. But we're in 2020 absolutely like let's let's get something else let's do something different i've talked about it a lot over the last few episodes star wars has kind of come alive for me again this year certainly like through the pandemic through lockdown and stuff because i've i've started expanding the people that i talk to and listen to when it comes to star wars so the discourse that was getting really tired and boring for me was i i've i've sort of tuned that out to a certain degree um and tuned into this other thing because uh because there's something new for me to discover about star wars and i think that that for a lot of people star wars from a female perspective which hopefully we're gonna get from um oh man i'm awful with names today from, uh, um, the Russian doll. doll, yeah, the 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 showrunner for that, who's gonna gonna have her own series? Uh, is it a series or a movie? I think she's doing a series, right? Um, oh, I actually, yeah, I think it is a series. Yeah, I'm and sure I would it's hope that series. that thing's. I would hope her series stays mostly intact too, because you yeah. have lots of instances where we're getting off topic a little bit. I'm sorry. Um, where cool. like the creatives come in and then change it up. I know that was a big issue on Big Little Lie. 
place where Andrea Arnold was uh, supposed to be the director. And that ended up not being the case. And so I would hope that that retains as well. And it's not like, oh, well, we started it. And yeah, we're, we're uh, okay. And, and that's, you know, and it's not just Star Wars. It's everything, you know, because these were working against systems that have been around for thousands of years. Yeah. And that, of course, permeates into our media because you know, real life affects our media. So as long as we're going through that, that's going to continue. And it's about being aware and taking that initiative to do better and not just say we're going to do better, but actually do better. And that involves, you know, the people who are on camera, behind camera. And it also involves too the executives as well. And, you know, that may be, I feel like some time, but you know, we're having that changeover. It's just, I think of X-Men, change is slow, you know, and yeah. uh, it's frustrating, um, you know, when you're somebody taking it all in, but hopefully we're doing, we're doing better at it. I think so. I think, I think when you've got I some think, of the creatives I think we're that, slowly getting that there. are pushing it. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. I think so. Let's talk about, let's, let's talk about the second piece of news. Uh, uh, oh, Mando was nominated oh. for, for Duh. <laughs> Yeah, Mando was nominated that was for big. 15 Emmys. Um, and uh, uh, here, I'll just run through the list. Uh, nominated for Best Drama, Outstanding Character Voiceover Performance, which is Taika Waititi, right? As IG-11. Um, mm-hmm. Production design for Narrative Program Half Hour, Cinematography for Single Camera Half Hour, uh, Fantasy and Sci-Fi Costumes, uh, three nominations for Single Camera Picture Editing for a Drama Series, Prosthetic Makeup, Music composition, uh, guest actor in a drama series for Giancarlo Esposito, uh, two uh, nominations for sound editing in a comedy slash drama half hour series, outstanding special VFX, and stunt coordination for a drama series, limited series, or a movie. Um, I think a lot of this stuff is pretty is pretty uh, uh, logical. Uh, these are these are pretty pretty standard nominations um for something like the mandalorian but that the the best drama one is a i think a really big deal um i the music composition i think is probably one of the best chances for for a win as well as outstanding special vfx um just because yeah, ludwig Gorenson's stunts score is so incredible um and then the 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 volume is i think the volume is going to push special effects ahead by a massive I, I want to work in it yeah it's 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 super exciting um and it's really going to change the way that that a lot of genre stories are told but mm-hmm. um yeah fi- 15 guess... emmy nominations for a for a, a genre show yes on a this... streaming platform is a, yeah, is a the pretty first... big deal yeah and that's i remember saying that last time like i feel like this show on our first try that mm-hmm. this show will kind of go the way of game of thrones potentially maybe not this show maybe just star wars on tv for the emmys um you know where game of thrones had its first year it was nominated for i was it nominated for show i feel like it was and it was it may have taken its second season but it was nominated for dinklage and it had a lot of below the line nominations and um and i think that's kind of the similar thing with this and you know so the the nod for the show is to encompass everything else i was surprised taika didn't get one for directing because i felt like kind of very shoe in especially with the noms for jojo rabbit earlier this mm-hmm. year um, like here, give him a shot at the Emmys, and then they gave him the voiceover one, which I felt should have gone to Nick Nolte, but 
like I said, the Emmys are weird. Um, but I know that something we discussed on our first try for this was that for me, for anything with the acting, like performance, that I think would go to Star Wars would be Ewan and Kenobi. Yeah. And I will be curious what happens with that show. And I'm actually also curious now, since we brought up the volume, um, I'm sure they may film a lot of that, possibly in L.A., using the volume. I know I read that they are going to. I really hope at one point they send him to Tunisia um, so he can go by the homestead just because, you know, I just need that nostalgic wise. <laughs> and it's, you know, it's, it's, it's different being there versus actually having it. I mean, I guess they could send like a, a B-roll crew to do it and then bring it back. But there's, there's, there's just something so powerful when an actor is right there, you know, doing those bits mm-hmm. in front of the Lars homestead. Yeah, I mean, yeah, obviously the the real world locations have a grandeur that um, as yeah. much as I mean, like, like, don't get me wrong. The Mandalorian pulls it off like the Mandalorian oh, pulls it, does. it off in a way that you're <laughs> it like, really does. that you you would be hard pressed. Like if you put scenes side by side of mm-hmm. a real location and, and the volume um, with some of them, they did such a good job that I, I even when I was watching it, knowing that it had been done on the volume, like the like the stuff. Uh, over like the lava flats and stuff mm-hmm. it's like you know that they're in a in a room that's only so big but you believe it it's just, it, it's just done so well that you absolutely it is believe and it. it's it's got to be so much better for the actors yeah again which is i know we'll talk about later too with like performance stuff in the prequels i'll be really excited to see you and have that because even though there is still the sense of make-believe there's something very different of having a big ass screen yeah. you know projected with what your image is versus blue or green screen because you know we talk about people just think everything with acting is all fake and it's not it's about truth and an imaginary circumstance and it's really hard to do that truth if it's just you and a blue screen and you're on like a blue thingamajig that's supposed to be you know a yeah. wampa or whatever. Oh, that's my phone. I thought I'd put it on airplane mode. It's all good. I don't know how many spam calls you get, but um, the amount oh, I do ridiculous. are ridiculous. I, honestly, I've gotten two <laughs> while we've been recording, so I uh, so I totally. Oh, have it. you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, um, Mableton, Georgia. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm sure everybody so. can relate to that for sure. Um, <laughs> Election year. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I, I, yeah, the, 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 the volume is such a, is such a massive leap forward. Like I was saying that, uh, I, I would be really surprised if they didn't win something for that accomplishment alone. Um, but, uh, there, there's a lot of opportunities in, in these nominations, I think for them to, to take mm-hmm. home a few wins. Um, I would really like to see Ludwig Gorenson win for that score. Cause I think it's what, what a, what a massive, job that is to come in and do star wars but with the the sort of uh direction of well we don't want it to sound like star wars though <laughs> don't just do the john williams very very tracks, westerny right yeah and he came in <clears throat> and he and he really did the work and he really mm-hmm. um he really found a new unique sound specifically for the mandalorian and uh and 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 yet it is still so Star Wars. It still works within the larger Star mm-hmm. Wars uh, sort of genre of 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 music. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, he'll I think have some competition in Trent Reznor for Watchmen because Watchmen yep. was pretty dang amazing. Um, but again, I'm really glad that two of the category, two of the 
you know, nominees in that category are both, you know, these genre productions. And again, you know, that Watchmen had the amount that it had too. And so um, just really paving the way more and more to where it's not just this random thing every once in a while, you know, that you give it to Lord of the Rings and then you're done, you know? You, yeah. Yes. The, the idea of what is, you know, award worthy is we're talking about something, you know, like homogenous or whatnot. It's, you know, it's not this very myopic kind of um, statement of whatever it is, you know, serious drama or whatnot. Um, so the world keeps on spinning. Yep. Uh, yeah, it's it's super super exciting news for Disney Plus for for Star Wars on TV. I think it's a as a, as if we needed anything to confirm that that mm-hmm. the Mandalorian was a was a, a massive success. But uh, uh, this is just I think exactly what Disney needed. It'll actually uh, next week uh, I think on the fourth is the is the yes. quarterly earnings call at, yep. in which we expect that we'll probably end up getting a, a fair chunk of news Some but kind uh, of, yeah. i'm sure that bob Iger is going to be taking a second to recognize like hey hey you know that completely new thing that we did for the very first time uh oh you, you mean the the streaming service oh yeah also the fact that we made a star wars tv show for the very first time uh, it's like, oh yeah, both of those things. Yeah, it, they worked together to result in all of these Emmy nominations. Like they, uh, and then I mean, like on top of that, Resistance got a nomination mm-hmm. um, as well for outstanding, yep. outstanding children's program or outstanding. I think or animation. Yeah, not animation because animation, well. animation was like your norm, like Simpsons, Bob's Burgers, uh, yeah. that kind of stuff. So yeah, I think. Um, yeah, I think it was the, the I think it was the children's yeah. category. Um, which is really great for them. I, I and I mean like if you listen to the other podcasts, you know I'm not the biggest fan of Star Wars Resistance. Um it didn't it didn't really do it for me personally. because um, it and that's just because it just wasn't the kind of Star Wars story that I wanted. But that doesn't mean that the show's not incredibly well crafted for a for a kids TV show. Like it is definitely um above and beyond what most saturday morning just for animation even in general yeah Yeah, like like definitely pushing boundaries and and doing all that stuff that lucasfilm animation is well known for so um so yeah i mean uh uh, awesome on that and then there's there's lots of other disney stuff that got nominated as well so i'm sure we'll hear about that we'll probably hear about movies we'll probably hear about it's sort of like the Lando thing is expected to be talked about if it's real that because the cat's out of the bag on that one, that, uh, that, that he'll talk about it on the earnings call, but we'll I'll just be honest. I would much rather have Donald Glover come and well, I don't know when he's filming Atlanta, but that show is just so much fun and it films in Atlanta and yeah. it's, uh, it, I mean, every time I read a script for it, I'm just like cackling to myself because it's, so smart so i i mean i know if it does happen either way they'll do it because i think technically you know atlanta is owned by disney now because fx is under them so they they will make it work one way or another however they do it 
I, you know, I, I mean, the way that, that Hollywood works, I wouldn't be surprised if there was a conversation of like, we will pick up Atlanta for another, however many more seasons you want. If you do this Lando Calrissian thing, Um, I mean, they could film it there too in Atlanta because you have the huge, we have the huge Pinewood studios where all the, um, the Marvel productions film. So, I mean, like last year we had Loki, Cap, uh, Captain America or Falcon and Winter Soldier and then WandaVision. So, and they'll be coming back because I know Loki didn't finish. Um, and I think uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier still has to do some stuff as well. Maybe not here, maybe in Prague. So, I mean, y- you could do stuff here as well. I mean, Black Panther had Wakanda and South Korea right in Atlanta. <laughs> yeah, <So. laughs> I, I expect, I expect that, that Disney is going to be building a second volume. Um, I, and if, and if, that, if they do want to do that, um that they will that that's probably where they'll do it because <laughs> atlanta yes, does please. have Thank atlanta you. does mm-hmm. have um a, a pretty a pretty huge uh industry now we over do, the last we couple do. Of years, because so. of marvel yeah because of marvel yeah. i mean it it started with the walking dead to really bust but then marvel just absolutely that was more i feel like in terms of television marvel just like yeah. blew open the door doing um i don't know if it was Iron Man 3 or Iron Man 3 may still have been in Wilmington. So it may have been Ant-Man. And it just, ever since then, it's been nonstop. So. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of Ant-Man, there's an ant on my desk. <laughs> Great thing. Speaking of Ant-Man, Ant-Man and the Wasp is coming on, I think, TNT tonight at 730. Oh, yeah? <laughs> it's still under the Disney umbrella. I'm like, my dad was an extra in that. So if you want to go look. I'm trying to kill this thing. <laughs> it is fast i have no idea where it's going well oh, i have a laptop no. so that's like my um, worst nightmare <laughs> it's 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 found its way somewhere into something unless uh, it's antony who's like the greatest marvel character of yeah. all time. <laughs> <laughs> I, let's say oh my gosh yeah. <laughs> okay with that i uh, let's uh oh he's back <laughs> i think you should keep this on i think it's funnier he just wants recorded. to he wants to be on the podcast you should really. let him <laughs> or her. <laughs> yeah. Ugh, I'm not getting. There's nothing I can do about it. I, with that, <laughs> let's take a break for some that ads. fabulous. And then we'll come back and we will talk about the prequels. All right. So I uh, do do something a little bit different this week. We've been we've been talking a lot about sequel stuff and and sort of Star Wars in general over the last few weeks. And uh, and I wanted to switch gears and uh, and and just like to, to be totally transparent. I wanted to get as far away from the rise of Skywalker as we could so that we could uh, I talk about something positive. Um, talk about I I I can't that is that your focus determines your reality right, um, and this is absolutely that intention. Um, we are going to talk about our top moments from the prequel era. So, uh, not just the movies, not just one, two, and three, but also the Clone Wars, uh, uh, video games, comic books, any of that stuff. Um, and uh, I I I I've got a, a stuff from kind of all over the place. Um, but uh, I know, uh, Samantha, you, you're more focused on just the movies, right? Mine is just the movies, yes, because the Clone Wars, I joked prior saying I could come up with like five moments just from the Clovis arc. And then unfortunately with uh, the comic or the video games, the comics, most of my stuff is kind of, it would probably be set within like the OT, most likely, that I've read. Mm. So, 
But y- yeah, so, I get to learn from you now <laughs> in no, terms yeah. of some of the stuff that happens. Um, yeah, and I mean, like the, the 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 prequels are are ripe for conversation. There's a lot of different content to cover, um, and obviously, we're gonna miss a lot of stuff. But uh, but the, but for us, this is the stuff that that really resonates for us. Um, why don't uh, why, why don't you go first? What, what's your what, okay. what, what's your first one you want to go with? So I'll, um, so yes, mine will all be from the films, and I will say I kind of have my cake and eat it too on some of these because <laughs> it was like so hard to narrow down. But um, the first three are kind of all like individual moments, and uh, the first one is from Revenge of the Sith. If you look it up on YouTube, it's called Padme's Ruminations, and it's that perfect kind of you think of it as of a quiet before the storm but it's really not because you can see the amount of internal agony that's going through Anakin Um, we're at the point where he's told Palpatine of course or he's met with Palpatine and he's discovered he's the Sith Lord and he tells Windu and Windu tells him to stay at the temple and they're going to go arrest him and Anakin's just like he can't deal with it and so at the same time of course you have Padme in her apartment and she's just for hers, she's just sitting and she's kind of just taking everything in. And I know there's um, a lot of talk, like even with that, is she sensing what's going on with him? You know, is it a force thing? Is it just, you know, there are two people who love each other type thing? And I completely understand um, what that end is as well. Um, and I think they both work on either level. We've seen, you know, that the, the force works in various phases. It doesn't have to be like, okay, this person's a Jedi, so they're the only person who has the force. You've seen the Bendy, you've seen the Night Sisters, Orphine. You saw Finn kind of at the end of Rise of Skywalker. I think even with Han and his ability as a pilot, is that a specific way that the force is channeling through you? And I think there's a sense of that going around with Padme in this scene. And it's just really beautiful, subtle work, I think, between Natalie and Hayden, which I've said... In the previous film, at least in Attack of the Clones, what I thought the issue was, and for a lot of the earlier stuff in this film, is that they're playing to the tragedy instead of that everything is just tragic. And you don't have to heighten the dialogue to necessarily do that. And I know it's hard with the dialogue that they're given, but you can see it in a lot of these other moments like this or, you know, Anakin's final fight with Obi-Wan. What they've got is there, and it's just about the specific channeling of it. And I think they, they as actors, and then as the story approaches everything about Anakin and Padme really wonderfully here. And it's a really sad dovetail of these two things that are going on. And that it, it, it's, it's hitting the Shakespearean better almost than anything else in any of the prequels. And it's just these two, you know simple things that are going on Mm -hmm. this internal struggle with one person and then you know with the other I mean she's having her own too we have a little less idea of kind of what's going through her head it seems a bit quisitorial concerned um but and then it just it's it's kind of this internal crescendo and then we start to see how it leads to this really bad falling action and it's that scene has stuck with me since the movie came out 15 years ago Cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. Here, I was I, like, I, is I, it fifteen? Yes. <laughs> it took me a moment. I did. I did guess. Yeah. I still have that calendar that too. <laughs> um, I have a I have a theory about about Padme and mm-hmm. the Force that I want to float by you. Um, okay. So, I everybody's got to bear with me. We're in prequel territory, so uh, so this is fair game. Midichlorians are in blood, right? Mm-hmm. And. 
obviously we know that that Anakin has the highest concentration of midichlorians that we've ever seen in mm-hmm. in a Jedi, in anyone, in a live in a living being. Uh, the the twins that are in Padme at that time mm-hmm. are obviously 50% her genetics and 50% his. Mm-hmm. And so they are infused with this abundance of midichlorians, mm-hmm. this, this connection to the force that, uh, uh, that Padme may have had some connection to the force previously. It's in all living beings. Right. I think she does in a sense. Yeah. Cause she's midichlorians are in everything. Qui-Gon says that like they're in all living beings. We're it's vessels not... for the force, you yeah. know, and how they, yeah. ch- the force chooses, it wills its way. Yeah. But, but imagine, but imagine being like having, not having that sense and mm-hmm. then, um, and then not only having one child inside your body, right? But having two, and right. I, this is a perspective that I have, having, um, t- taking care of a, a, a pregnant woman twice in my life. I, I, they, they, the physical effects of that are not to be taken lightly, right? Like there mm-hmm. are, there's a, there's a whole bunch of different things that can happen. Um, and, and one of the things that can happen is that, uh, if a baby has a different blood type than the mother, um, it, it, there can actually be some complications around that. There, there, there can be different things that happen because, because the blood, it, like the circulatory systems are, are somewhat connected. Uh, it, when when they're in utero, right? When 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 the baby is still gestating, so Padme's all of a sudden got two incredibly powerful uh, uh, force potential force users in her womb, and mm-hmm. her body is like coursing with midichlorians that she's never had before. It's mm-hmm. it, to me, it's the reason why when Anakin Skywalker finally dies and Darth Vader is truly born at mm-hmm. the end of the movie that that Padme dies because she like her connection is directly linked to Anakin and there's there's a metaphysical component there that's mixing with the physiological component of of the childbirth as well as the midichlorians and all of this stuff that I, I along with the 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 psychological anguish that she's dealing with where the 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 droid says it's it's as if she's just lost the will to live and to right. me it's like that's it, it that's anakin's psyche anakin's emotions intruding on padme um and and actually like making her feel that way in the same way that a Jedi mind trick is, has the ability to control thoughts. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. and she's just overwhelmed with it. So that would, to me, that would tie back to all of this because Padme looks on the temple as this is happening and you, you get the feeling from Natalie Portman's performance that she is overwhelmed she doesn't like she's obviously concerned about Anakin specifically. She's also concerned about obviously like we're at the tail end of this this three to five year long war, depending on which timeline you agree with uh, that she's been a big part of. Um, she can feel democracy slipping away. Right. I, I in the deleted scenes, we've seen that she's doing all this other stuff to to, right. to try and make sure that that doesn't happen. It's just like it's all so so much. So that like there's there's a lot going on there. Um, there's no dialogue in those 
And uh, no, I think not maybe three PO maybe says end. one or two things, right? Very end, which yeah. he's kind of like the awakening. It feels very trance like for um for both of them, to be honest. Mm-hmm. And I don't I kind of would say I'm on the same page as you, not fully. I think she probably again, the force goes through everyone, and I think she probably already had some sense of it, but in terms of what her childhood was, in terms of this political career and doing all these sorts of things, that's what her attention went to and as somebody myself I'll notice certain things about my body more heavily when I don't have something else to focus on and so when she's maybe not as much near the end in the political arena as she was prior and then like you said she's pregnant with two children who are incredibly uh you know just they're coming from uh, really I would say endowed on both ends but especially on Anakin's end you know you just you're you become more aware and there's a lot of trauma going on too. And, you know, I've noticed that myself as well. You start to notice things as, you know, cause the whole thing is being traumatic as well. Anakin's told her already, like you die in childbirth and that's something else that's you're hanging in your head too. Well, okay. If I die, what happens to my children? What happens to you? Um, I, I'm still of the mind that like her life force is siphoned by the emperor, you know, to allow, vader to live just because i don't Mm. think anakin fully dies i know that was a twitter thing recently like are vader and anakin the same person and i say absolutely it's just i mean it'd be like harvey or two-face i mean it's you're the same you're just different sides of the same coin and certain things are coming in out of you at, at various times and it's a it's a huge process of forgiveness of self and forgiveness of from others that allow you to regain what you had lost but um that's uh, that's an interesting theory of what you were saying too in terms of not just about the the babies in terms of because that's something i thought about as well in terms of her force powers but the additional um almost like kind of a scientific aspect that you are bringing to it (laughs) yeah it's it's just it was one of those things when when crystal was pregnant most recently with cassie there uh she she had a much harder time with certain things um yeah. and with being more more exhausted and stuff like that and mm-hmm. and i think at one point i was like watching star wars and thinking about this and it was all just kind of in my head and i was like there there has to have been some sort of a physiological mm-hmm. uh repercussion to to being introduced <laughs> to this whole world right like uh because because i agree with you that like i think that that uh that that Padme, Han, Poe, uh, uh, a lot of different characters, yeah, Lando as well. it's working in the, them. Oh, yeah, Yeah, the, the, the Force is present in their lives in a way that it isn't in other people's. Yeah. Uh, no one could do the things that Poe Dameron does in, mm-hmm. in those movies if they weren't tapping into it somewhere. Right. Um, I think it's more sub it's more unconscious and that's the very difference yeah. with the Jedi. And the same way if somebody who is, you know, um, invested in various martial arts or various meditative yeah. factors. Yeah. They are being very conscious about their body and what they're doing. And that's why the Jedi are able to control it in a very specific manner versus the other ways. It's a very uh, unconscious kind of organic thing that just happens. And I think with Padme's pregnancy, she's more conscious of it in a way that she never was. And, um, and again, I think a lot of that is also just her connection, even if there wasn't a force thing, even just her connection as well to Anakin. I mean, I've experienced that just, you know, back in January. Um, like there, you can tell there is a there is a sense like in your gut when certain things are going on. 
and there doesn't have to be anything additional about it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. The, the, I, I, it, this is all like sort of based off of other theories that I've had, which is that that yeah, as Anakin um, uh, becomes Vader in in mm-hmm. those moments, that that's deeply connected to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, cool. Uh, I'll, let's switch. Let's switch gears over to to my first one, which is uh, a little bit more on the fun side. <laughs> <laughs> not so depressing. Yeah. Well, maybe not when you find out what happens to you know when you think about down the road. I'm so. It's true. It's it, well, sad. it's all tragedy in the prequels, right? It is, it's all right. tragedy. Everybody, everybody gonna die, uh, and if they're uh, not the ones, the ones who don't die are some of the unluckiest characters in the saga. Yeah, right? they so, gotta live with all the yeah um, trauma. Yeah, that's why Obi Wan's getting his own series, uh, right? <laughs> uh, Kit Fisto and Plo Koon. I uh, so th- there's a there's a comic. I I thankfully we did the research on this last time. <laughs> issues number seven through nine seven eight and nine of the uh the dark horse clone wars ongoing series um where kit fisto and plo Koon, uh, are on a mission uh to take a base at some point and and they work with uh with admiral oz oh, well he's not admiral at the time uh, i can't remember what his rank was he's like he may be like like commander or lieutenant or something like that ozel but the character is admiral ozel from the empire strikes back and it really paints a picture of him as a, a younger officer in the republic army uh the the republic i guess the navy for him um as uh, a very impulsive and and brash and uh, uh, not really thinking things through, and uh, so you, you get to see a lot of that groundwork laid uh, in this comic, which is really fun. Um, and then on top of it, it's it's uh, Kit Fisto is my favorite non uh, main character uh, from the prequels, um, and of uh, hanging out with Plo Koon, which like these are two of the most developed characters from the Clone Wars. Uh, and uh, and kind of have their own voices. Uh, so it was it was cool to 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 get an adventure with the two of them together, uh, mm-hmm. I, and see how they play off of one another and the sort of the sensibilities of the two. Um, and then on top of that, as a comic, it was just it's beautifully illustrated um, and uh, and re- really fun, really really high adventure. And it contains one of my absolute favorite things in Star Wars, which is when we get a, a, a costume change for our characters, specifically when uh, when they go to a cold climate and uh, and and we get the the whatever their sort of winter gear is mm-hmm. um maybe that's the canadian in me i don't know i <laughs> no i'm with you on that because uh in the, t- in the 2d series i will say i yeah. love how kit fisto looked in that but like when padme was in her you know as ice stuff i yeah, loved it <laughs> that is that is unfortunately often referred to as her snow bunny outfit oh god um, yeah, that really that really That's says a lot about the fandom. That's just Padme looking amazing yeah. in Samantha's mind. Yeah. I don't um, think I ever knew that. That's so funny. You know yeah. what? That's that's why yeah. it's good that I didn't get as much in the fandom until about five <laughs> years ago. I would have been um, like, no. But yeah, Kit, Kit Fisto and Plo Koon both get there. They both get there. Much like Anakin and Obi-Wan do, and, and Rex, in um, in the episode Trespass in season one of Clone Wars, mm-hmm. they get there their uh, uh, Empire Strikes Back uh, Hoth-inspired outfits. Um, 
and uh, and I love it. I just love and and I'm pretty sure they actually did action figures of these as well that I have. Ooh. I know that I know that they did Anakin and Obi Wan for sure, uh, and Rex because I have all three of those for sure. I have several versions of Kit Fisto and Plo Koon. I don't remember if they ever did these ones from the comics. If they haven't, hey Hasbro, I if you're done I'm making <laughs> another version of Darth Vader and another version of Luke Skywalker, then they, it would be really cool if you did something like this. Um, although I shouldn't, I shouldn't complain too much. They're finishing off the star Wars rebels. So, uh, but yeah, that's, that's my, that's my first one. That's, that's number five on my list. Oh, I just, okay. So I Googled and I mean, this was star Wars with cold weather gear action yeah. figure, but this for the clone wars. Okay. So thirty nine ninety eight. <laughs> Yeah, I think but that's it, also no. What? No, go ahead. You go ahead. I was going to say, but you bringing that up, I'm I'm totally with you on that. And I mean, and I live where it's you know hotter than anywhere else. And <laughs> um, one of my favorite outfits for Ahsoka is um, a friend in need. You know, when she goes to Carlac uh, and you know faces all the the Mandalorians. Yeah. Um, oh my gosh, I love that outfit on her. And you know. I could get into a favorite uh, Clone Wars moment there, but I won't. But you could probably <laughs> guess what it is from that episode. But I'm I'm so with you on that, absolutely. And especially the two of them, um, Kit Fisto and Plo, Plo Koon, like their designs are just very, um, you know, they're so different. You know, and I'm just glad that we have actual alien type creatures, you know, that were Jedi, that were not Yoda, you know, that were really spotlighted, mm-hmm. you know, and we got more of that in the Clone Wars, but I mean, like in the films, there there wasn't a great amount of it, sadly. And so in the fact that they're putting like the two of them together too, I think is yeah. just like you said, because of their different dynamics as characters too, that's just, um, I'm gonna have to look that up now because that's a lot of fun. Do you think it's on Comixology? I... If not, I'll look. Oof. <laughs> That's tough because it is the dark horse stuff. So, um, oh, yeah. I think I think that some of the dark I I think most of the dark horse stuff has now been collected um, in the epic collection. Like so, they've done the like look. I think they've done like like uh, an, uh, an old republic, like uh, Clone Wars, like the different eras. They kind of collect them in that. Okay. Way. Okay. Um, but if not, you might still be able to find some of the older dark horse omnibus and stuff like that. But I don't know about the digital stuff because i don't i don't really know what happened with the licensing for the star wars stuff when when dark horse lost the license does that mean that they can't publish Mm -hmm. any of the stuff that they'd already done right you're Um, right and digital is such a weird place to begin with so right the rules there. yeah i know that just from all of our streaming services and then comics make me even more anxious so i know (laughs) i i I had said to you before that's why i had to give up on x-men because it just became too much so yeah, I'll have to I'll have to look around. Yeah, for sure. What's your what's your uh, what's your next one? So my next one is from so we're going to a different movie now. It's Attack of the Clones. It's one that a lot of people say, and it's Obi Wan versus Django. And um, the reason that I like it is that it everything about Camino does not feel like Star Wars, in my opinion. Mm. It feels very like AI meets Blade Runner. It it just feels like a completely different film. And I think when I first saw Attack of the Clones, actually, it was almost like a little off-putting for me. Like, I, I was just... Because it was completely so left field of what I was expecting in terms of, you know, like the silver aliens, the very long necks, the very sterile white environment. And it 
absolutely works for the cloning facility and whatnot. And so then when you have Obi-Wan and Jango together, um, you know, when they're out in the rain and, you know, you're having um, a man, well, Mando-ish versus um, Jedi fight, it just, it felt different from anything that we had seen. And I know the rain was kind of like a, a new thing for us. And that's something we got later in Rogue One and in The Last Jedi and in Rise of Skywalker. But I think it's it's done exceptionally well in Clone Wars. And everything about Kenobi's story in Attack of the Clones um, is just very random and different. You know, he's off doing his own little detective thing. Mm-hmm. And it's, but yet it serves exceptionally well. And a lot of those Clone Wars episodes um, with Kamino are always my favorite because of going with that mystery of like Sifo-Dyas and everything else. And so it's really plum material that um, was established in the movie very well. And um, I've always said, you know, I've, I've never been a Boba Fett fan, but... I, th- I liked Django and I liked with, with what Tamara Morrison did with it because I just think he's um, really engaging and charismatic as an actor. And I was bummed that we lost him so quickly. And I know we've had him in different aspects, but it's not the same as Django. So, And it's one of the fight scenes that I know, you know, with like I said, with these original films, so much of it is not practical. That's why I prefer The Phantom Menace is because it has the most practical stuff. But with Kamino being something that's so not like Star Wars, so sterile, so different, for me personally, I'm able to engage with what's happening. And that's why that fight is a success for me Mm. as a viewer. Yeah, for sure. It's 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 definitely a standout moment for me as well, um, and it'll it'll tie into one of mine later on. But uh, uh, there's there's so much fun that that happens in this battle, uh, and it is uh, it it was it was kind of our first time. Uh, it was actually I guess it was like it was our first time seeing a Jedi really face off with someone other than uh, another like a Sith and another. Right, not a stormtrooper, not a you yeah, know some not, random not character, just battle droids. <laughs> not a capable just, fighter. Yeah, that was yeah. not another Jedi. Yeah, or, and obviously yeah. a great way of seeing how Boba Fett would have handled fighting Luke Skywalker, which is what we all had imagined uh, up until <laughs> that point. Um, and now, unfortunately, the comic books give it to us, and it's like, and <laughs> I don't know if you know this about the the Marvel. Comics I didn't in, in, no. in 2015. Boba Fett. Uh, I Darth Vader hires Boba Fett to track down Luke Skywalker to track oh, yes. down the, the the I do know that the pilot who destroyed the Death Star yes and obviously and I, that is Luke right and I I know I've seen I know I've read yeah. that where he figures it out yeah and Luke Luke fights Boba Fett how did I miss that and he, <laughs> I don't and, and he wins uh huh <laughs> and this is before Empire Strikes Back he doesn't even know what he's doing yet it drives me nuts. <laughs> It just when I say that like there are good things and there are bad things in the comics, it's like there's some really cool stuff around Darth Vader's character, the character of Afra, who is a new character. Uh, who mm-hmm. actually, you know what we missed that in the news, um, and that's something that happened in the last couple oh, of yeah, days. Oh yeah, the audiobook. I uh, uh, no no not not just that, but the but the comic actually won oh. uh, an award from Glad. Yes. The Glad uh, award, yes, uh, for outstanding comic, and uh, because because uh, Afra is a gay character, so. Um, and like, there's a lot of really good representation in in 
in the standalone Afra series, which obviously right. spins out of the Darth Vader stuff. And that character has become beloved over the last five years. Um, mm-hmm. and I think of like reason. a Harley she, Quinn she's, with She's her. a great character. Yeah, for sure. Starting from, you know, this, yeah. whether it's the animated series for Batman or yeah, in a as, comic yeah. and just taking her own life through her own charisma, her own, her own like gumption and ability and whatnot. Very, well, I think yeah, honestly, I, just, just yeah. showing... I, I exactly what we were talking about before, which is that like there are people are looking for this stuff. <laughs> people, yeah, yeah, yeah. People want this from their it's, Star Wars. It's not like it's you know people are always they think like you know like like with when Black Panther does well or Crazy Rich Asians that it's like lightning hitting and it's so random and it's it's not <laughs> and yeah. um so and it's it's you showed you know how Afro can work on her own and work in the series with Vader and um and I will just say that um. Uh, I know someone, Amy Wishman Nalen, and she says that I look like Afra's mother, Lona, on the cover of one of the series, and I absolutely do. So I have a running gag that I'm Afra's mother. So <laughs> I just wanted to put that. Do well, that. Then, look at look at the issue of her on the cover, and then yeah, you must find be very a picture proud. of me, and it's very similar. <laughs> I am very proud. That's awesome. <laughs> I mean, um, I mean, that's a badass daughter to have. <laughs> yes. Yeah, a great character, and the audiobook is very good. The audiobook is mm-hmm. really, really good. Even if you've already read the 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 afra stuff from uh from the darth vader comics because a lot of it takes place in that same timeline there's a Mm -hmm. there's a lot of like flashback stuff that i don't know maybe in that in later on because i think i've read the first like i think i've read the first two volumes of afra i'm not caught up because i'm on marvel unlimited so i'm always six months behind but (laughs) um but I did read a, a, a good chunk of it, and I don't think any of that stuff has been in the audiobook yet, as far as I've listened. But um, there's yeah, a, there's a, a bunch of, of like flashbacks stuff. and stuff, yeah, and there's a lot of the stuff Vader. to her connections with Sana Staros and mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. So um, definitely check that out. I uh, cool. Um, I'm gonna go for my next one. Yes, I, was my, just, I can't remember if this ties to yours or not. Like what mm-hmm. we just were saying. Mine is a moment from uh, I from the Phantom Menace. Uh, and, uh, it is, uh, you got, I kind of have to set the stage a little bit. So, um, you have to put yourself in the, in the, in the headspace of, of Star Wars fans in 1999, sitting down to watch the Phantom Menace for the first time. We don't really know that much about the Jedi. We don't really know that much about the time period that we're about to experience. We have the original trilogy and we have the expanded universe. Um, and we've got the droids and Ewoks cartoons, uh, uh, and, and Ewoks movies. That's, that's what we have at this point in time. But in terms of canon, we really just have the movies and then the books that take place after Return of the Jedi. So don't really know what to expect. And, and the movie really like, like from the beginning lulls you into a false sense of security. It's all really slow and really chill. Uh, we 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 start like panning down on Naboo, the Trade Federation. We've read that crawl that is just like taxes and uh, embargoes, <laughs> oh, and it's yeah, it's just like I'm sorry, what is happening? Especially if you were 13 at the time, like I was, where you're like, I don't understand any of this. Can we just get to the to the to the laser swords and the spaceships? Um, and uh, and and so we come in and it, it's really slow to begin with of, of like arriving mm-hmm. and they go into the conference room and then, you know, the uh, the uh, uh, new gun rays Colin Palpatine of like, there's a Jedi and and uh, <laughs> and and we get the poison gas and, and like Obi-Wan Qui-Gon is just like Qui-Gon's half asleep. 
because he's like i've done this a million times before like this is this, uh, this these diplomatic missions are boring um but they're necessary and and but obi-wan's like oh the, I, I, I i sense an unusual amount of fear um so it's all just a lot of like like talking and sitting and and drinking tea <laughs> and then and then the battle <laughs> droids attack and and the jedi just like snip 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 done like like they just they just cut through him like like a hot knife through butter and you're not at no point in time are you afraid for uh obi-wan and qui-gon until they get to the door the blast door and they're trying to cut qui-gon's got his lightsaber all the way in to the to the blast door and he's he's given it that little twist which i always love i love that moment and and then on the other side of it you see it like molten like dripping off of the the Mm -hmm. the end of the, the the like the edge of the the door I just love that moment. Um, and then uh, the 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 Nemoidians are like are like, where are those droidicas? And you're like, what what's going on? And then in roll these droids that are completely different from the battle droids. They just like they roll in out of nowhere and they just unfurl and plant those three legs and then these gigantic double barreled blaster cannons fold down and they just like the 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 shield bubbles expand like and they've got just that great sound to them like that 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 perfect star wars sound and mm-hmm. then these cannons just start going and obi-wan and and qui-gon are deflecting these blaster bolts and you you get the sense immediately from everything that like well the battle droids weren't a big deal but these destroyer droids these are something to be reckoned with and there's only a, a so long that that obi-wan and qui-gon can deflect blaster bolts before they're going to be overtaken before a shot's going to make its way through and then they, and they have to book it out of there and just every element of this um it works so well like the the pacing on the way up to it um us sort of feeling like oh these the the jedi got this under control this they're gonna they're gonna do their thing because everything we've heard about them is that they're great warriors this that right we're we're Mm -hmm. supposed to be thinking of them in these grandiose terms and then we see them immediately uh early on in the movie outmatched and outgunned um, just by these droids, so we we oh, know I'm that. I'm gonna start singing Hamilton now. Sorry. <laughs> we know that they're that they're in danger, that they're in real danger, and every element of it works so perfectly together. But I have to I have to shout out Ben Burt and and the sound design on this because, um, just the from from the sound of the 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 shield bubbles coming out to the way that the blasters deflect off of them and everything, but most importantly the the complete difference in the way that the blaster cannon sound to mm-hmm. anything that we had heard before. They don't sound like a blaster rifle or Hans blaster pistol or, or anything like that. They sound more like turbo lasers, right? Mm-hmm. So we get that. We get the sense that, that before it was like ping pong balls, just, just, you know, uh, with the battle droids, it was just easily deflected, easily handled. Um, and, and Obi-Wan was able to handle that by himself while Qui-Gon cut through the door. But then these destroyers come and they're packing heavy weapons. And this is a real, real threat. And the only thing that we can do is run. Uh, and it's just, it, it, it just works so well the, with, with, with everything in there. Mm-hmm. Um, and to me, it's just, it's so iconic. It, 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 it gets you right in there and you're like, now, now we're in a star war. 
Like <laughs> everything else up until this point has been pretty cool. Um, but now we know for sure, like, yeah, this is definitely Star Wars. Um, and then it immediately slows down and we talk about things for the next 20 minutes. But uh, uh, that's not true. That's not that's not fair. We go through the planet core. A new hope does escape. a lot of that too, though. It, they so, all do. They all. It's a yeah, Star Wars movie. Yeah, but especially movie, those first two. Yeah. They really. Well, at least for a New Hope and Phantom Menace, they yeah. really do. <laughs> yeah. Um. But yeah, that. So that that's mine. That's 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 my Phantom Menace moment. <laughs> I I will just say really quick in terms of Ben Burt talking about people who should be awarded for stuff. I would have given him an award for voicing Wally because. That was amazing. <laughs> Just what a talented man. <laughs> so talented in terms of what he does for sound, for cinema. Yeah. I mean, yeah, Ben Burt. Yeah. <laughs> I, I often say that he doesn't get enough credit because you get like the, oh, yeah, George Lucas writing these days. He's, he's a visionary, all that stuff, which is obvious. Um, and then it's a well they the movies wouldn't work if it wasn't for John Williams like yep right. absolutely 100% so ILM broke all this ground and did visual effects better than anybody had done it before you're you're 100% correct but Ben Burt's sound design on those original films and then on the prequels is so iconic that if I play you a snippet of a blaster from Star Wars you're mm-hmm. like yep that's star wars you will know exactly what it is and then on top of that like for for us hardcore star wars fans who listen to podcasts and that sort of thing if i played hans dl44 blaster versus a stormtrooper blaster rifle versus a clone trooper blaster rifle versus a a tie fighter or an x-wing they're all different yet they all feel like they're star Wars. They all feel like they're part of the same family. Right. Um, and it's just, it's, it's so amazing how he gives signatures to these different things. The sound effect of an X-wing flying over versus, uh, Sebulba's, uh, pod racer, like, like so many of these things that are just, he, as, as iconic as the rest of star Wars is, the sound is absolutely iconic. And I don't feel like Ben Burke gets enough credit for having accomplished that. It's definitely... It's, I mean, it's... I think people forget it's truly a collaborative thing, you know, cinema and television and whatnot. And I even, you know, I'm a part of the whole thing by saying even before, like, the the below-the-line people who, you know, for the uh, nominations for The Mandalorian, and that's just because what it's called, but at the same time, they are so integral to what is going on. And, um, you know, there's there's a huge... um, disparity in that unfortunately when it comes to acknowledgement i will just say anytime there's usually awards it's always the below the line people who give the best speeches because there's a lot less ego and there's just so much more pure just genuine authenticity of what they're doing and so yes absolutely and that kind of goes to my next thing actually um for my third moment because talking about people who i feel like don't get a lot of credit um my third one is um from the phantom menace and it's when they are going back to naboo and padme is being counseled by um qui-gon and panaka and everyone and um you know, Panaka is like, this is a battle I don't think we can win. And Qui-Gon says, and, you know, I'm only here to protect you. I'm not, I can't fight a war for you. And Padme is just, she's very 
She's very calm the whole time. And what's really great is I think she just moves her eyes is what Natalie does. Um, Natalie doesn't get enough credit um, for her performances as Padme. Um, and she just, you know, she says, Jar Jar Binks. And he says, Misa, your highness. And she says, yes, I need your help. And that has stuck with me since I saw that film, what, 21 years ago. I know part of that was used in the trailer. Um, the Qui-Gon, I think, Panaka stuff was. Um, maybe trailer two, which was my favorite. And I love this scene because you have one character who's absolutely been maligned since day one, which is Jar Jar. And then another character who, you know, as the films went on, really did not get the due that she deserved as, you know, Anakin became much more present in the films. Um, I, I truly believe that Padme is the protagonist of The Phantom Menace. She is the one inciting the action and inciting everything that is happening. And, you know, with the, the second two films, it's, a, it's an Anakin Obi-Wan story. And that's why, unfortunately, she is pushed to the side. But this moment is so great because we had that bit earlier, right before Palpatine is selected to succeed Valorum, where Padme is talking to Jar Jar and he, you know, he's used to think people going to die. And she says, I don't know. And he says, the Gungans have a great army. And she's just, again, she's just listening to him. And this is a 14 year old girl who was thrust into this scenario. I mean, she's very much a puppet queen in that manner. And yet Palpatine underestimated how conscientious she is still as this young woman. And she calls upon Jar Jar asking for help and she needs his army, but she's also, she is very, this comes from, I think, a very altruistic and communicative point of this affects all of us and I mm -hmm. need to do better. And I am asking you for help because I need to do better. And she shows that later, of course, when she oversteps Sabe to say, you know, no, I'm the queen. And it's just this really beautiful moment because you have this young girl who, as much as I love Qui-Gon, Qui-Gon kind of pushes Padme away a lot. And I don't know if if that's done intentionally because he knows she can do it or if it's kind of his own myopic sense of who he is as well you know because even though Qui-Gon's a smart guy he still yeah. has a lot to learn as well and so you know this 14 year old girl asking this someone who's considered the comedic relief I need you and I think it's a really beautiful moment and I think it's a really great showcase for you know not just Natalie but for Ahmed as well and we know Ahmed has gone through the ringer in terms of Star Wars and I've been yeah. so glad to see him be so um widely received by fans now whether it was at the um the 99 you know last year the 20th anniversary or this year with you know the jedi temple challenge it's yeah. really amazing because he deserves it and you know we would not have the um that type of character being done on screen without jar jar Gollum gets the all the attention and i truly understand because of it was much more seamless with Gollum, mm -hmm. but it started with Jar Jar, and we have to remember that. And you know, it's one of the reasons why that film, why Phantom Menace in particular, is my favorite of the prequels. And it's just a really matter of fact moment, but it's going to lead to what becomes our climax of the film. Yeah, for sure. There, yeah, and 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 it 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 ties all the way back into. Um, in into the moment early on in the movie when when uh, when Qui Gon first meets mm -hmm. Jar Jar and and yep. the whole time Obi Wan has been questioning like why are we doing this why do we have this 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 creature with us um, but Obi Wan or sorry Qui Gon is very much 
trusting in the force like we've all mm-hmm. of this is coming together for a reason if all of these pieces don't fall into place then nothing kind of happens the way that it's supposed to if if yoda and mace windu don't decide that that anakin shouldn't be trained then qui-gon doesn't take him to naboo and and then anakin doesn't blow up the trade federation control ship right Mm-hmm. All of those characters are in their places for a reason. They all serve a purpose, even if that's not apparent from the outset, right? And and um, that, like you say, like that's one of Padme's strengths is that. Oh yeah. Qui Gon can see this because Qui Gon can see past reality into the Force and trust the Living Force, and he's very much that kind of Jedi, where it's like like he is. He, especially with with later stuff, if if you've if you've listened to to the Master and Apprentice, um, the the audiobook or read the book, I haven't. A lot of this. I know that Claudia Gray, right? Yeah, you'll yeah, get a lot of this. That, on like, my list, yeah. Qui Gon's almost looking for that stuff. Right. He's he's almost going out of his way to find it. Um, right. And and uh, again, much to Obi Wan's sort of consternation, right? So, um, Padme though is not a Jedi. And yet she's able to discern this and she's right. paying attention. She's it, it, Padme doesn't get credit. And, and absolutely, this is where the second and the third movie don't don't do enough with her character. She should always be the smartest person in the room. Right. And I think she always is, to be honest. Yeah, I think the I, I first do, film well. acknowledges yeah. it and the other ones don't, yeah. unfortunately. It's kind of like Leia. I mean, Leia's always absolutely, the smartest absolutely. one in the room. Yeah, so. and, uh, yeah, yeah. It's, they don't utilize it, right? That ne- they, they don't, no. There's a little bit of it in, in Attack of the Clones where, where she's kind of right. always in a little on the show to, sometimes. To, yeah, but 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 obviously Revenge of the Sith, I mean she's she's a, almost a supporting character in that and not right. one of the main characters, right. unfortunately. But yeah, yeah, it's a great scene. Yeah, and that's um, that's a great thing that you made, and just another great through line between this generational aspect too, um, between her and Leia. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, cool. I'm gonna go on to my next one, which is I uh, uh, the the Boga Grievous wheel bike mm-hmm. chase <laughs> on Utapau from Revenge of the Sith. Um, I love this scene for a whole bunch of reasons, but one of, one of the main reasons is that. Is that this? Um, this to me is it, it, it. sort of signals the uh, the beginning of the of the shift over from the prequels over mm-hmm. into the original trilogy. And that when I say that, what I mean is away from the the Shakespearean tragedy part of the story, um, which a lot of the prequels have been um, into the uh, the 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 Flash Gordon adventure the serial. Iced, yeah. Yes. Um, and and this whole sequence is very much just like it's a high octane uh, thrill ride chase. I mean, like, man, it, it, you could turn this into a ride at Disneyland really easily. Oh, gosh. <laughs> um, and uh, and and one of the main reasons for that, we, this is this is something that I don't know everybody's aware of, but that sequence is actually directed by Steven Spielberg. And uh, we, we talked about this before when we recorded the last time we recorded. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's coming right off of Minority Report, um, uh, yeah. which, which has a very similar I didn't similar know that, sequence. but when you said that, I knew. I was yeah. like, oh, it's Minority Report. And on the, on the I'm, I, you know what, I, I'd have to take a look on Disney Plus. I'm sure it's there. But uh, on the on the DVD back in the day, mm-hmm. and I'm sure it's probably in the Blu-ray set as well. 
there's oh i'd have to look up my dvd then there's a whole um there's a whole sort of behind the scenes thing of steven spielberg working with george lucas to direct this sequence um and it was and it's much longer it's much much longer and there's a reason why it was cut down but it's because it's like they they like go through traffic and like it's a whole thing that minority Um, report scene is really long when you think about it i'm like he's still going okay um yeah, so it, it's it's very much Steven Spielberg of the time, uh, but I, uh, but yeah, I mean, like I, it's it, 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 just on the on the surface of it all, uh, the the idea of of Obi Wan Kenobi, everybody's favorite Jedi Knight, or at least mine, uh, my favorite character <laughs> in the entire saga, um, riding what is essentially a dragon dinosaur iguana thing. Uh, and and that can run up walls and stuff. And then General Grievous has his uh, his vehicle, which is very much an extension of his personality. It's about as it's about as blunt an instrument as you can get, which is so just a just a big <laughs> wheel made of knives with robot legs if it needs them. Um, which is just the most grievous thing imaginable. Uh, and uh, and and yeah, like they, they it's just this chase and. But then on top of it, it 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 just gets into like there there's there's all this metaphorical stuff, all of the the sort of subtextual storytelling of uh, Obi Wan Kenobi who has been uh, uh, they they've been trying to to catch Grievous the entire war basically mm-hmm. and he always cuts and runs. We, we get the example of it earlier in the movie where they've got him cornered. And what does he do? He smashes the window of his own capital ship, sacrifices the whole thing just so that he can get away. And gotta Obi- give him some credit. Yeah. You do have to give him some credit for that. I mean, like he's got style. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, if there's one thing you can say about Grievous, he's got style, but, but Obi-Wan's done. Like Obi-Wan wants this war ended. Like this is the last thing. If they can, if they can track down Grievous and stop, they've taken out Dooku. All they have to do is get Grievous, and the the Separatists will fall, right? Because um, they they don't have any other military leaders uh, uh, worth their salt. So like it's it's just going to be the 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 sort of last domino to fall. Mm-hmm. And so Obi Wan's not going to leave anything to chance. And and you get it, like you get it that he's already, but he knows Grievous is going to try and run. Mm-hmm. So he's already set up. He's already gone and hired his dragon and it's waiting for him just like for the moment when when he has to make chase. Um, and, and it all culminates. Like I say, it, this is the this is the, the changeover from the civilized era into the Galactic Empire. Right. Because mm-hmm. this is literally like this is the moment when he defeats Grievous. That's what initiates Order sixty six. Like that happens yeah. in conjunction with, with a big shift. Yeah, yeah, with with Palpatine revealing himself and all of that. Right. But it's all like this is all coming to a head at the same time, and it culminates in in Obi Wan, uh, picking up the 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 blaster, blaster to, to yep. kill Grievous, um, which is so antithetical to the way that he does things. It's so antithetical to the Jedi. But here's Obi Wan, so. Uh, uh, run down by this war and so changed by it and compromised by it that that he'll do anything to 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 finish Grievous off, which is which is so not the Jedi way, and yet uh, that's where we are. That's where the story is at, right? It's we know that it's we're building towards this tragedy. So there's mm-hmm. just there's a great symbolism there in him using the blaster 
Grievous exploding from the inside uh, with the flame. I mean, like, not a kid-friendly moment for sure. I, uh, I uh, terrifying the thing of nightmares um, for a small child, but uh, in a children's movie. But that's okay. The kids need to be scared every once in a while. Um, I'm a firm believer in that. But I, uh, I uh, scary movies are good. I think they build character, <laughs> but um, just as long as they're not traumatizing. There's a there's a there's a gray area in there, and that's the that's the key. But um, but this but it, it's just it's it it is this moment that sort of symbolizes the 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 shift um, away from from the the mm-hmm. every other fight with Obi Wan up until this point is elegant and it's like you know it's fighting with Darth Maul. There's all this ceremony. We got to take our robes off first. We got to wait mm-hmm. for his lightsaber to come out, and then we're gonna put our lightsabers out, and then we're gonna basically have this dance. Um, and and then even the fight with Dooku is a lot of talking. It's a lot of there's a lot of pomp and circumstance to all of these battles. But then mm-hmm. this fight with Grievous is very much. Grievous is going to cheat. <laughs> it, and right. so Obi-Wan, if he's going to beat him, he's got to kind of stoop to his level to a certain degree. Um, and then when you put in sort of the meta narrative of the Clone Wars and Darth Maul and everything that, that Obi-Wan has been through, which is obviously retroactive, but 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 the story is what it is now. We, we know what it is now. Right. He's, and that's- he's fought Grievous a million times at this point. And he's also just been put through the ringer by Darth Maul. And so he's not, he's not, it's not that he's not on his game. He's still Obi-Wan Kenobi. He's still the negotiator. He's still, you know, he's one of the most formidable Jedi there are. But instead of being the Jedi that he should be, which is much more like Qui-Gon, much more contemplative and thoughtful, he is a warrior. He's a, he's, he's a general, right? Um, And that's the way he's thinking because he just wants to end this war. He just wants to get back to, to being a diplomat and and all of that stuff that he was doing before this um and he's willing to do anything to get there and that's one of the reasons why the jedi end up falling. and that's something that satine says in the clone wars you know talking about you know i thought jedi were peacekeepers you know and essentially saying that that you're generals now and you know is it does because is that you know due to like um just a, a means to an end like with with how things are happening and i think the problem is is again when you're so myopic about everything that you're doing like what you said everything is very ceremonial at the start in the same way that the stories are very like shakespearean and then when you get to our originals they're very serialized and whatnot um the idea is you can control what you can do but you can't control what your opponent is doing mm-hmm. and so you have to change your mode of attack and that is okay i do i think there's a way to still keep your sense of self and values in order to do what you need to do you know i'm not saying like go shoot someone in the back but what i'm saying is you know that's something that that's that's about adapting and evolving and the jedi were so just against that in their own very stringent ways of no this is what you have to keep but that's not how that's not how people work. That's not mm-hmm. how life works. You have to continue. And I said this before with it, and you actually just made me think of something new. You know how Obi-Wan is just so done with it. You know, with him using that blaster, I've always said before that he used to in many ways, like in a lot of the fights in the Clone Wars, fighting Maul, he enjoys it. He does. He gets, I think he gets a kick out of it. Like, you know, I'm good at what I do and I like doing this and I'm better than these guys. I think there is a sense, a little, there is kind of a, a sense of arrogance there and it's just like this is i am the jet we are the right way to do things and he's learning here you know he is t- 
tired. And so when he uses that weapon, it's because he's tired, you know? And it, so it's, I used to think, oh, well, he has to stoop down. This is just from even when we talked like three days ago. It's almost just like, this is what he has to do. He has to end the fight. And it's the same thing in Rebels, where that fight with Maul is literally like half a second long. And I know a lot of people were like aghast at the time. But that's because he knows he can't do that anymore. His his purpose is bigger. It's about Luke. It's not because I think a lot of everything with Obi-Wan was very personal. And talking about personal things earlier. And he had to learn to have this sense of keeping himself while also distancing himself and that takes a lot of practice and we of course see that he has 19 years to do so and I think that journey kind of really starts with him in this fight um which is also an intriguing thing for me because um I wasn't, you know, I've, I've gone back and forth on the Revenge of the Sith, but I will say I always enjoy watching that scene. And even though there's a lot of other quibbles mm. that I have with the film, that's just, it's really fun to watch. So it's also unfortunate because you know that Obi-Wan is just so done with everything. And I feel bad that I'm like, well, this is great with him on his dragon. And he is really, really goddamn tired. But, you know, that's, that's just how it works. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, it's just a really fascinating, like as you were saying, like pass of the baton without even realizing it as a pass of the baton yeah. to what comes next. All right. We're in the home stretch now. What's uh, what, what's, what's your second to last one that you got? Okay. So this is, well, the title may think one thing, but it kind of encompasses a lot of things. So duel of the fates, which again, I know everybody, if they know Phantom Menace, they know that, but I'm not just considering the, the lightsaber fight between Maul and Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon. To me, what makes it work is you have that, you have Anakin up in space, you have um, Jar Jar and the Gungans against the droids, and then you have Padme infiltrating the palace to find new Gunray. All four of those things work so well together, and they um, they kind of bookend very well what you have in um, Return of the Jedi. So you would have had, what, it would have been 83 to 99, you know, 16 years, and you're kind of getting a little bit of what you had seen before, but not exactly. I mean, he keeps that bit, but this story of Phantom Menace, I know we had mentioned that previously, kind of is more of the, the five-act structure, you had said, Yeah. and we had talked about that before, and it, it's a different story than what we've seen in the the other Star Wars films, but in terms of this ending, he's, he's putting a lot of the, the structures that we understand well with these types of films where we see various threads going on at the same time and it it all builds to this you know huge moment that we have and I just think that Duel of the Fates does that the best out of anything else in the prequels and I put that above the end of Revenge of the Sith as well I know you've got Yoda versus Palpatine and you've got Anakin versus Obi-Wan I felt a lot of that was just marred by so much of it just being CGI and you know, there's one person who's actually not there or the whole environment is not there and um, everything just felt much more rooted in terms of character and structure and story in The Phantom Menace. And that's why, again, I still, if you ask me what my favorite prequel is, I put it, I mean, I put it like leagues above the other two. I mean, if it's on TV, I will watch it. Revenge of the Sith, I'll probably watch maybe like the back half of it. And then Attack of the Clones, it's it's ugh, it's kind of a hit or miss <laughs> regarding the mood. But um, Duel of the Fates, I think, is what George Lucas does best. And we got to see that in yeah. 1999 when it came back after 16 years. 
Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I think that Duel of the Fates, like the 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 multiplane action of it, um, is just it's it is. I and mean, it's all engaging. Point, he's got he's had over a decade to examine what works about that, um, and it, it's funny because you you see it develop over the course of the original trilogy, right? Mm-hmm. You see it in the yeah. Death Star battle. We right. we cut. We don't just stick with the pilots, right? Right. We we cut back to to Yavin to to the war room, which mm-hmm. is a pretty standard thing to do. But it's a it's a really great way to break it up and and to pace it out, um, and to check in with with the the stakes, which is the the Death Star sort of rounding the the planet and getting mm-hmm. ready to fire. And then we we also will check in with Tarkin and Vader um, mm-hmm. as things change for the Empire as they start to realize, hey, wait a second, there is actually a danger here. And mm-hmm. and then they 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 go ship to ship and all that sort of stuff. And then we're cutting back and forth between between the good guys and the bad guys in the midst of the battle as well. All of that right. is actually really good in um, keeping your focus off of the fact that Han Solo has disappeared from the story because mm-hmm. he's going to come in and save the day. And then in, in Empire, we get it again. We actually get it, the movie is bookended with it because we start with the Battle of Hoth, which is, you know, like we're focusing on Rogue Squadron, specifically on Luke, but we're cutting back and forth to Han and Leia trying to escape from Echo Base, right? Mm-hmm. And then at the end of the movie, we've got um, Vader and Luke dueling, which is obviously mm-hmm. our climax of the of the story. But while that's happening, we're cutting back to to Leia, Chewie, and Lando trying to get to get Han Leia from moment. from Boba, right? Yeah, yeah, and 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 so you get to Return of the Jedi, at which point, like, I think he does a really good job of ignoring that in the first bit of that movie. Because we just, we stick with Luke and Han. Like, we stick with the characters that we're with in the whole Tatooine sequence. And then we get to Endor and we basically, until they split up, but even then it's part of the same sequence, right? It's just that, it's just that our characters split up. But it's not until, like, Luke goes away, like, goes to, to hand himself over to Vader. And then all of a sudden we get, okay... Now we're on three planes of action. We've got the Endor battle. We've got right. the Death Star throne room, and then we have the the space battle all at the same time. Right when Battle of Endor starts, that when that music yeah. Yeah. begins, it's and you know you're on Endor, and then it cuts to Lando coming out of hyperspace. It's yeah. just he's it's going so on all perfect. cylinders right there. And I think it's the same thing with Duel of the Fates when those doors like open yeah. and you've got your bit with Maul and it's like, all right, we'll handle starts. this. Yeah. And it's, and it's from there. And like I said, each, each one is engaging to me. I still think the saddest death in star Wars is the one Ewok dying in return of always, the Jedi. Always. Uh, I mean, it's just, yeah. I can't even now I'm like, I can't watch it. I changed the channel and I don't think that's not interesting because of where it is. And it's the same yeah. thing with the prequels, even though some people may not like the Jar Jar stuff because there is a lot of the comedic stuff going on in there i still think it's really well done and again it's showing you know jar jar has a place to play in this and it you know and and his people do and they have importance of who they are this native culture and who they are in terms of just as a group and what they provide and um and what they mean and so each of them and it's the same thing with anakin i know some people have some issues you know the whole this is pod racing but there's i mean the naboo starfighter is like my favorite 
ship of any kind. And so, again, this is really integral stuff in terms of Anakin and just how um, advanced he is in terms of his skills and everything going on with that. And so, yeah, it just works in tandem so brilliantly. Yeah, I agree. I agree. That's not easy. It's hard. (laughs) No, it's not easy because then you look at at the... Um, at the sequel trilogy, and uh, they never did it. <laughs> oh, they- I was, I will say, yeah, for Force Awakens, I could not care less about what was going on in space. Ray <laughs> yeah. and Kylo, fine, but I'm sorry, Poe, I just, I don't care. I do not care at all. I love and that stuff. Like, I, I do love I, the stuff That was with me po. personally. Because I, I love that I, character, but, but... Oh, I loved the character. I felt emotionally yeah. not attached to it, it in the way it, that it's, it's, I did with the others. It's connecting the dots, right? And I think that that's right. the thing about about both Force Awakens and Rise of Skywalker. I guess I shouldn't say that they never do it in in the sequel trilogy because there is when I was watching The Last Jedi a couple of weeks ago, one of the things that I noticed is the way it just happens in the middle of the movie because it happens right. oh, it, it happens during the the, the holdo maneuver, right? Where Yes. It's everybody oh, is it's off, right there. Most of the movie is everybody being separate, right? But mm-hmm. then there's the, that great moment right before the Holdo Maneuver where all three of our storylines are coming to an emotional climax at the exact same time. We've right. got... Uh, he does it very well. Yeah, we've, we've got... Uh, the, the The resistance is being destroyed by the supremacy. The, the um, Finn and Rose are about to be executed by, yep. by Phasma's stormtroopers. Well and then you've got... Uh, uh, Kylo and Rey yeah. fighting over the saber, right? And it's all happening, like it's all just like it's like dunna 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 dunna, and then silence, <laughs> and then the whole yeah. maneuver happens, and it's so good, it's so well done. So yes, like most things, somehow it magically comes back to Ryan Johnson pulled it off. Oh, he but, got it. I mean, I remember but, in the theater, a little boy just like kind of gasping, like yeah. whoa. I think everybody that has that moment. experience from from that opening night from yeah. the first viewing. Um, but then in Rise of Skywalker, there's something just like didn't work for me. It's <laughs> it's you can see it mechanically. You can see yes. like okay, so we've got the ground assault that's happening on a star destroyer. That's a cool twist to it. I like that. Yeah, I agree. You've, you've got the space battle, but the space With battle, Lando, which is nothing fun, of consequence happens in the space battle though. Yes, they never turn the it's tide nostalgic in the space battle. That it's just happening. Really building on. Yeah. Um, and then you and then you have the fight with with I'm, I'm going to use quote fingers the quote fight with Palpatine, um, which just ends in a Dragon Ball Z moment for some reason, um, which has some cool stuff in terms of the Sith like people like chanting in the background like on its own I thought it was really fascinating and something that could come out of Clone Wars but just like mm-hmm. you said it's very mechanical and i yeah it it's just it's all there on paper isolated. but it just does, it doesn't work yeah no. it, do, it doesn't no. it doesn't work as well as as we're talking about it, when we talk about the two best examples which are return of the jedi and the phantom menace for sure right yeah and it's all like you said about you really have to be aware of that structure and terms of what's going on and i would actually say even phantom menace may do better than return of the jedi because i feel like return of the jedi han and leia aren't serviced as well Mm. as luke and lando 
And I always joke saying Harrison Ford had nothing to do in Return of the Jedi. Yeah. Like, they bring him back, which he didn't want it. And then he just sits by a building the whole time trying to, you know, do some electronical stuff. Yeah. And yeah. so, yeah, to hot my hand, everybody is actively yeah. aiding what is going on. And whether that's Padme or Jar Jar or Anakin, and then especially, of course, um, you know, our Jedi facing Maul. It's, I, I think it actually succeeds in that manner. I will say I think there's still more emotional heft to Return, Return of the Jedi because mm-hmm. of Luke and Vader. But I think in terms of if you're really talking about the characters getting everything spread equally in a way where I felt they were all serviced well, then it's, um, it's definitely Phantom Menace. Yeah, for sure. It is. Cool. Uh, let's go to my second to last one, which is uh, it ties back into one of yours. Uh, you you talked about the fight sequence between Obi-Wan and Jango, but I want to talk about the moment right before that, which is, um, (laughs) Obi-Wan has, has gotten to Kamino. He's, he's, uh, been investigating everything. And then they're like, oh yeah, we got the, the template. He's a bounty hunter named Jango Fett. And Obi-Wan's like, I'd very much like to meet this bounty hunter. (laughs) And, uh, Mm -hmm. and, and they go, uh, Lama Sue or whichever one it is. It takes him to. I remember we joked about that. Yeah, I'm going to look at him while you're asking. Uh, I am the same uh, way. Maybe it's Tonway. Maybe it's Tonway. Because uh, oh, yeah. I think that Boba says Tonway. Uh, he does. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sue's the administrator. He's the he's the like the head of it, and then Tonway is yes. the one that's. They, I like how we have this light bulb yeah. moment it's, doing it's it important. again. <laughs> it's a good. It's a good thing we had to do this twice. <laughs> um, I know. It's oh my gosh. So important. I. I and <laughs> we get this awesome face off between these two characters, these two very powerful, very formidable characters. Um, as Obi-Wan comes in to interview Jango Fett to just ask him a couple of questions, but Obi-Wan already knows, like, Ob- mm-hmm. Obi's already figured it out. Like, he's he's put every not he hasn't quite put everything together because he's like Sifo Dias. That doesn't make any sense. That's a mystery that doesn't ever get solved. That still doesn't many years on in some yeah. ways, to be um, honest. But, uh, I, but he definitely knows who's been trying to kill Padme, <laughs> uh, which is mm-hmm. what he's been trying to solve, right? <laughs> so he, like, th- there's like this whole sort of whole back and forth, and there's a lot of dialogue here. There's a lot of talking, but yeah. none of it is important because this whole scene is all about the subtext. And one of the reasons, the reason why this is my number two is because this, for me, I think was the moment as as a kid watching this movie for the first time, this was the moment that I went from thinking that Obi-Wan was a character in Star Wars to him being one of my favorite characters in Star Wars and then eventually becoming my absolute favorite character in Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, and it, a lot of it has to do with this arc and, and his like detective work and just, you know, the film noir aspect of it, which I love film noir. So like, there's that whole component to it, but it coming down to this moment where it's like the two of them just, it's, it's all in their eyes. It's all in the way that they mm-hmm. look at each other and, and talk to each other. Um, and not in what they're actually saying mm-hmm. that, you know, that this is gonna, this is gonna come to a fight like like he's 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 got him dead to rights and Django's still trying to weasel out of it but he's also pretty aware of like if this guy hasn't already figured it out he's about to like if if he he's gonna put this together and we talked about it when we recorded the first time the mm-hmm. idea that he throws out Darth Tyrannus's name as a right 
as as almost like a distraction, like to throw mm-hmm. him off the scent because he's like, oh, were you hired by Count Duke? And he's like, I don't know any Duke who I was hired by a man named Tyrannus. At which point it's like, wait, who's this Tyrannus guy? Right. Right. Which we 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 never I don't know that we ever get a confirmation in the film itself that Dooku is Tyrannus. I think that that's a that's a. He may say it at the end of the movie, at the end of Attack of the Clones, like after Dooku comes back, you know, yeah. and Lance's whatever his cool little ship is. He may. I'm not 100 percent sure. Again, this is the, the one uh, I like see Palpatine the might not... call him Darth Tyrannus. Yeah. Yeah. He that, may say it. Lord yeah. Tyrannus. I think he does. I think he calls him Lord Tyrannus yeah. as he arrives. Um, and then, of course, we know in the Clone Wars that happens yep. in yep. The, the the episode, I think the lost one that precedes the whole Yoda arc, one of my yep. favorite episodes. Yeah, they, we'll, we'll he finally confirms it, it. it and you're like, Obi-Wan, you dumbass. Yeah. <laughs> like, you've known yeah. about this. Come on. Um, but yeah, to me, it's just such a great moment. It's such a great moment between these two characters and it really builds them up. Um, and it 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 leads us perfectly into the next in the next into the next major sequence. Um, mm-hmm. as the two of them fight uh, fight uh, it's it's super good but uh yeah yeah man uh, obi-wan is staring down Django fett uh it doesn't get much better than that in the prequels in my opinion i like how you mention that actually because one of the things that i would always i can't remember if you watched game of if game of thrones or not but um that we that i would always talk about is that the scenes where characters were just talking would always somehow they would be laced with so much more tension than the actual fights and and they would make the fights that much more you know saturated in terms of what's going on and i think this sequence is very similar to that even though game of thrones they could go on for like eight ten minutes and this is a much shorter scene in retrospect you have that you know you you know you have to build that tension and um and they do yeah for sure uh what's what's your final one my final one is a combination of three. This is where I, I have my cake and eat it too, where I say it's the ending of each of the individual prequels. And um, starting, so with Phantom Menace, I would maybe say starting with Qui-Gon's funeral, going into the celebration, which is a nice little bookend to A New Hope. And then you have the wedding, of course, much more of the um, you know internal experience going on uh, for that in the same way that you have Luke and Leia in Empire. And I also mm-hmm. just, that's a really beautiful scene. Um, I think a lot of the romance does not get, it, it, it could have been, let's just say, it could have been better in um, Attack of the Clones, but the wedding is just absolutely perfect. And in many ways, it cements it for me. It allows me to believe it and understand it. And I know it was something that I wanted to do for like my own idea for a wedding as well. You know, thinking about going to Lake Como. It's just, it's a really beautiful, beautiful moment. And then um, Revenge of the Sith, I would start it um, with Vader getting the helmet on right as Padme is getting birth. But I just, I can't stand that that final no. Um, I've, I'm, like I'm saying, you don't necessarily have to have the dialogue. You just, the scene itself is already tragic because Padme has died and Vader has risen. So if I don't put that, I would probably put, you know, starting with Bale taking Leia and then, or no, I guess it'd be Padme's funeral. And then you would go to Vader, you know, and uh, Tarkin and the Emperor seeing the Death Star being built to Luke and to Leia. 
And a lot of it works because of your nostalgia. But again, as I said with Duel of the Fates, this is something that Lucas does very well. And then barring my little quibble of the no, he knows how to put these structures together in terms of how they impact the characters and then how that, that impact will then go on to the viewers. And I will say that with each of those three films as they ended, even if there are things that I saw previously in the film that I wasn't a fan of, that I thought of could have been better, that I hated, whatnot, I ended still coming out of the film and being like, I just, I saw a Star Wars film and this, my life is different and it's changed yeah. and in many ways for the better because of that. And I'm very lucky that the the prequels continued that tradition that the originals established uh, so succinctly and beautifully. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and and we it's it's it, th- this one's tough because because we we had a really really good conversation about this on the first recording, and <laughs> we it, did. it we, there's no way that we could recreate it. But I'll just no. note that um that that we talked a lot about how the sequels don't yeah. have these endings, um or that they're not they're not fully intact. That there's a, there's this other they're element beginnings. to them <laughs> where they have these codas that come after them. Um, yeah. the, 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 the other six films, they end on like all almost freeze frames, right? They're kind of these, these like living tableaus, um, mm-hmm. where it's this still shot of, uh, the, the, the metal ceremony or, uh, from the, mm-hmm. the, the medical frigate or the, the Ewok ceremony or as the ones that you just right. talked about, or right? a wedding or twin yeah. sons. Yeah. yeah. We get these, we get these, these great final moments that are like these living picture frames almost. Um, mm-hmm. and then we do get those in all three of the sequels. I, uh, but then they're, they're followed by another scene, which to <laughs> me felt like right. them trying to figure out how does star Wars do a post credit scene? Like, a Marvel movie does because the whole point of a post credit scene in a Marvel movie is to get you excited for the next movie. Um, mm-hmm. But, but I think to your point to what you just said, it's like, if you had just done it the way that it was always done, you would have gotten that effect. Right. And, it, and in fact, I would say if you, if you ended on the actual proper endings of each of those movies. Um, so in, in, the force awakens it's the moment when after after the falcon is taking off and we get the shot uh, it's the 3po is waving and the rest of the resistance mm-hmm. is all standing there it like that's the final I shot w- of the movie before you move to yeah. the next one i will say i do think i i get with the whole ray going up the steps but i know we talked about the helicopter bit i almost feel like you could have just yeah. ended on a still shot of the two of them and it would have probably worked but it also absolutely goes into your idea of that all almost become the last jedi yeah and yeah so yeah yeah and then in the last force jedi, awakens would be the one that would yeah. work <laughs> the the last jedi we end uh like the story really ends on the falcon like that great shot mm-hmm. of the whole resistance on the falcon right after leia says we have everything we need right yeah um which yeah, which oh, to me beautiful. is such a beautiful shot um, and then we get the broom boy, which I like as well, but which, well, which yes, has, it I does, do it, they, we get two in, in the last Jedi, which is, which is different. Um, but then, right. in, uh, but broom boy felt much more like a final film type thing. It to did. Me. It did. Didn't it? Yeah, it did. It, to some people it is like, um, Oh, that'd have been a fabulous ending for the trilogy. Uh, I think some people would have hated it, but I would have loved it. I would have thought it was yeah. great. And then rise ends with the, the, 
we get yeah. two and rise as well, I guess, because we get the we get the moments yeah. of the celebration on on Agent Kloss, right? With after the the trio has all come back together, and we pull back out and we see the whole the whole resistance mm-hmm. celebrating. But then we obviously cut to to Tatooine, and and then right. we get the twin sun ending there. Um, Which so yeah, each you know, one again, of them has two. It's yeah, and that one just that scene doesn't work for me in terms of like I said. For Revenge of the Sith, you are working on a lot of nostalgia for it, but it feels very baked into the the characters and the structure of what we've seen before. And I know so many people have questions about that final scene of Rise of Skywalker, and um, I understand it. And then also just the effects, those final for Luke and Leia, it that really brought me out of it, and it was just mm. really unfortunate because I do think otherwise, looking at it, it's it's a it's a really beautiful scene, but that just completely. I was just like, no, 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 yeah. no. And that's where it's showing again something where there's, you know, the true understanding of the material of what you're doing versus imitation. And there has to be, and I, I do think that, you know, that's, I think that's why the Mandalorian is succeeding in how it is. There is an understanding of the material. And I know Favreau and Filoni have, you know, worked long and have had that especially Filoni that connection with Lucas and I think that's integral and it's you know it's hard because a lot of these stories I don't think it's necessarily I don't necessarily think it for need it for a Marvel film you could probably you know that's why Ragnarok works Black Panther Ant-Man you can kind of find the character that fits the director's um mentality but with Star Wars it is and I think we'd mentioned this the last time I don't want to say a religion but I mean it is it's not just pop culture it is modern day culture and when we talk about modern mythological storytelling that is star wars and so i do think those themes you can continue to let them grow and adapt and change but that that solid rooting has to be there and that's not something that i unfortunately found with most of what we have recently seen and it's something that the prequels do have for anything that you may dislike about the prequels it has that and that's why i think they succeed yeah for sure cool well same with the next thing (laughs) yeah i i i kind of started with the clone wars and i'll end with the clone wars mine is the uh the the duel between maul and ahsoka in season mm-hmm. seven of the clone wars um but very specifically the moment where where maul reveals darth sidious's plan specifically when he talks <clears throat> about anakin mm-hmm. and um it just it's it it's such a great culmination of the clone wars of, of those two characters journeys coming together in this one point um, it's so beautiful to look at, uh, just the environments of it when the, when the glass shatters that moment, um, and, and then the yep. fight oh, sort of gosh. ensues and then, and then the, the battle moves on toward they're up in the scaffolding and they're fighting and just the whole thing. It's, it's such a great, um, emotional climax to, he's so feral at the end. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Just just operating purely out of fear. right? Yeah. Um, and and I you know, I there's not really a ton more that I need to say about it because we have talked about it so recently on Rebel Cells. But and, and I think it's very recent in a lot of people's memories. I had, I had a really hard time staying away from this moment when I was thinking because I wanted to have a Clone Wars mm-hmm. moment in, in, right. in my prequel moments. But 
and I was I I did my best to like think like is there something else that really works as well as this size? <laughs> and I just don't think that I there this is so well done. It's up there. The performances from Sam Witwer and Ashley Eckstein are are incredible. Um, it just all kind of comes together. And and you know what I'll say I said this when we were covering uh, the last season of Clone Wars over on Rebel Cells. I uh, I think it's actually for the best that 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 we that the show got canceled and then brought back for the final oh. season because I don't think that this would have been as good without that time in between. Certainly mm-hmm. without them going and doing Star Wars Rebels and learning a lot about because I think that the 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 whole team that that went from Clone Wars to Rebels and then came back to Clone Wars to do the final season specifically like Dave Filoni and Joel Aaron. Um, I think that they learned so much stepping away from clone wars, doing something different um, Mm -hmm. and experimenting with it and trying to get closer to that, that cinematic feel from the original trilogy instead of the animated feel that, that the original first season of clone wars had is an evolution. Mm -hmm. It, it, It was getting there anyways, but but oh, they, yeah, they took all of that and they took the tech, they took everything and they brought it back into that final season of Clone Wars. And it's all like the proof is there. It's all there in that last season. The The performances mm-hmm. from the characters, the, the animation is so beyond anything from the rest of the series. Um, it's it's so, so good. But then on top and of anything it, in general, I think, like I currently, think so. yeah, you know, other so. than, you know, you. I would, I mean, and I know so many people would love to see it in the theater, you know? Yep. So you could yep. put that up against, you know, not everything's oh, going to yeah. be Pixar, unfortunately, but absolutely. And I love yeah. what you said about the tech, too, in terms of getting in the actual, like, motion capture performances, lending a real weight to the choreography of the fights, because sometimes they can feel like, you know, is gravity really involved here? And yeah. Yeah. Just watching that. I don't know how many times I watched that fight on like YouTube. I would just go back and forth just to see Maul do like that weird like leg kick that yeah. he does. And um, it's I mean, I, and I, I I totally agree with you. I, I'm curious. I'm sure they would probably say it's mostly the, of what we were originally going to do. But there's no way it could have been because if they would have done it back in whatever 2014 or whatnot, it would have not been the same because they were not the same people. This we, we were not the same audience and the world was not the same. And so yeah. I think um, emotionally it's weighed a, len- a lot more. And what I said prior to about Obi-Wan with the Jedi, I think with both Ahsoka and Maul, they are realizing through their teaching that what they taught, they have to adapt and do certain things differently. And I think Ahsoka is able to succeed in what she does. Maul, unfortunately, he, he understands that he can't be a part of something. And that's why I say he's the Salieri of Star Wars, but he's still so emotionally connected to it. And you, of course, see what happens to him in Rebels. But that's why it makes so much sense that they are the two people that we are seeing in the episode together have this discussion because they are the only two people that are going to understand that mm. discussion. Yeah, for sure. And then, of um, course, it, it and then it wasn't even the final thing to, either. I mean, I remember watching it. And I was like, oh, wait, this is only the second episode. And then we Holy had two crap. more episodes okay. to go. Yeah, it got it, <laughs> right. it, 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 it kept going. Up again. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and sure. it became this different thing, and I mean, that's I I I'm glad that we got it now, and I think it was important that we got it now, um, especially considering what that final ending was and how it, because um, I don't remember if the final ending with Vader was 
going to be there or not, you know, if if Dave and then we're originally going to have Vader, you know. Yeah, that, it, that that's, hard to, that, that's hard to say. right? I can't like remember. That. I would have to listen yeah. to one of his interviews again. But I think that's I think that's so important, especially with what we're going through right now and especially understanding, um, you know, like forgiveness of self and things that you're um, unconsciously a part of these systems that, yeah. you know, need to be broken down and, you know, re rebuilt. And so it's it's the important thing that we got um this year and i think you know along with having i guess mandalorian would have finished at the very end of last year i think mandalorian would have been the one last year over rise of skywalker so oh for sure and i can't wait to see you know what they do next with all of it um and hope that it's just at that that tier of you know what we've been discussing totally Cool. Let's uh, let's let's check in with our listeners. I, I I put this out to to the audience. What's your favorite moment from the prequel era? And we got mm-hmm. back a few messages over on Facebook. Joe Hogan, uh, friend of the show and uh, uh, renowned Star Wars artist, uh, commented seven seasons of Clone Wars, which is a little bit of a cop out, but we'll give it to him because. Uh, that's a very sincere answer from Joe that, uh, that, that the Clone Wars means a lot to him. So <laughs> that's cool. I, I Shirsten, uh, over on our Patreon Facebook group, uh, which you can get access to by supporting us over at patreon.com slash thunderquack says, uh, this is only partly a joke. I reference Anakin's, I hate sand speech more than any other thing from the prequels. And I get that. I totally, I totally get oh, that. Oh, absolutely. Shirsten. Yeah. Um, yeah, she's spot on with that one. Uh, and then Sarah Beth says, I truly love the revelation of Padme's handmaidens being stand-ins for her at different times. Also, mm-hmm. that fight in the re- the arena. And she's talking about the uh, the 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 Geonosis uh, arena, right. the the John Carter moment. Uh, it's very <laughs> Barsoom. Uh, but yeah, if you like Padme's handmaidens, if you like that stuff, uh, you should be reading the 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 latest uh darth vader comics because uh, uh, uh sabe has come so back great. into the story so that's, please let kira do yeah. this as like a movie version please or tv or a tv like a <laughs> disney plus series yeah please let kira do um, it <laughs> over on twitter uh kyle avery one of the hosts of star wars the saga continues uh at slim avery says uh gun to my head it's still the moment at the end of return revenge of the sith when the helmet comes down over Anakin's head and he takes his first breath as Darth Vader. But Ahsoka and Maul's conversation in the throne room on Mandalore is a close second at the moment. Totally. I totally agree with that. Um, that's a great moment. The, the sound design of it, the, Mm -hmm. the, the way that the helmet just looks painful, which we never really thought about before, but, uh, uh, it doesn't look like it's going to feel nice when it goes on and then and the sound just, of it as it seals that Eric is just thinking about that now like you just made me think of something with how painful it is mm-hmm. and the fact that he's had to go through so much already with a, having most of his body burned yeah that is just I I will say you know when Hayden's screaming and the rain's coming on him and all of yeah. that and you know everything like I said other than the no going through that moment where yeah. I hate you we brought this up the last time um Anakin's I hate you with Luke's that's not true that's impossible with Kylo's you know did you come here to save my soul is such a great thread of like 
almost, but not just these men doing it, but almost just you think of a child just absolutely wanting to rebel yeah. against the parent and whatnot. And in some ways, if you think about Vader now with the suit, it's like the ultimate timeout in some in some ways <laughs> because he's you know he's able to do so much but he's so constricted as well yeah. and um well and the, the, I, I love that, the idea that light bulb moment <laughs> yeah i love the idea that that it is purposefully restrictive it's purposefully painful um right because palpatine wants him yes that's it's true almost too. it's almost the best thing possible because it makes him more powerful but it also makes him subservient to palpatine yeah. Because that that anger and that pain makes Palpatine's him more powerful the in the dark in that side. One. <laughs> yeah, but Palpatine yeah. is is both drawing off of that and also using it in order to keep Vader. Right. Oh under yeah, his he's thumb. he's the very bad parent. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it, there's such great levels to it. Um, and then uh, uh, Martin over on Twitter again says uh, at Dharma Studio <laughs> says too many to pick from, and I called him out last time. I'll call him out this time. Uh, that's a cop Oh, I out. thought you were going to say you asked him. No, and I didn't. He came back. I didn't. <laughs> no, because I think I feel like he needs to be publicly called out. Uh, that's not oh, what I no. asked you to do, Mar- Marty. <laughs> I asked you to pick one, and you said too many to pick from, and that's unacceptable. Uh, so oh, you have to tweet now. Yeah, you got to tweet it. Uh, over on Instagram, black underscore James 20 says, The duel on Mustafar. I think that's how you spell it. You did spell it right. Uh, incredible. Might be the best saber-only fight in the movies. Uh, looking forward to the episode. Well, I hope you enjoyed it. Because cause that's it. You just closed it out. Black James. Black underscore James 20. I, I thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you to everybody who uh, who, who uh, commented on the various social media posts and whatnot. We appreciate it. We always like it when you guys take part in the episode. Uh, in the discussion we'll be sure to include you guys in future episodes as well uh and uh, and thank you samantha for for joining us once again uh, it was a, it was a, thank thanks you. thanks for for joining me once again again because <laughs> yeah. we're redoing this episode um that's okay yeah we uh we we got there we did it and uh and i hope that everybody enjoyed it um but uh, thank you so much for being on again and uh and you're I, welcome we will have you back over and over and oh, over thank again. You. You've, oh, you've, that means so much. You've now made yourself I, you know, indispensable. You're gonna get you're gonna get sick of me because I'm gonna be like. Hey, I mean, when I was stuff. younger, you know, I was eight, and it was like, you know, I I didn't talk about Star Wars with anyone. You know, it was like my dad basically, yeah. and so to be able to do it now is really wonderful. And I for what we talked about in terms of fandom being a blessing and a curse, I have been, I personally have been mostly very, very, very blessed. And if if you you know me in in many in many ways deeply and um so this it's always really great and i i know you're gonna ask me so i'll just say if you want to um find me on yeah. twitter it's sam s-a-m-d-i-a-n-e-k sam diane k and then to do my running gag that i do that started on fandalorians with uh sean gerber and john Beerley because john Beerley um would always say it he'd be like go on to the imdb and you can look her up so if you want to do that and make my star meter go up um Thank you, Samantha Cacho, K-A-C-H-O. And I just find that hilarious. So thanks a lot. Cool. Well, uh, again, thank you for for being on the episode. uh, And thank you for re-recording it with me. Thank you to everybody (laughs) for listening. 
Um, and uh, and we'll be back. We will be back actually uh, next week with a guest that I'm very excited about, uh, and that's Ty from uh, the the YouTube channel uh, Wit and Folly. She does these awesome, incredible video essays uh, about uh, uh, storytelling, uh, usually like mythic storytelling, hero's journey, heroine's journey type stuff. Um, but obviously very, very much focused on Star Wars and Joseph Campbell. So I'm really excited to have a conversation with her about all things uh, Hero's Journey. Actually, I'm going to pick her brain about the heroine's journey and learn more about that. And hopefully Ooh, you guys yeah. can learn more about it as well. Because uh, I really want to to dig into that and, and, and learn as much as I can. Um, so that's coming next week. But that's it for this week's episode. Uh, thank you guys for listening. And we will see you on the next one. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Star Wars FMI. If you like what you hear, you can support us in two ways. First, by heading to store.thunderquack.com to pick up some merch, or by heading to patreon.com thunderquack to kick in with your monthly pledge of support. Your pledge gets you early access, exclusive podcasts, and more. Thanks for listening, and may the Force be with you. Faster More Intense is part of the Thunderquack Podcast Network. Head to thunderquack.com for more great podcasts.